everybody and welcome to another episode of smart home stupid people today episode 11 feeding viruses so let me start off with reading the actual description of the episode that we had written a few minutes ago and posted up um, into the episode description below we are told that blood ritual and sacrifice used to be a common theme in our distant past and this episode we can test that not only are blood rituals and sacrifice still common practice today, but they are more commonplace than we care to accept. With this, we feed the gods as we are feeding viruses. Um, this is a very interesting topic for me, and it's going to be a topic that I think for a lot of people, when they first hear this, they won't want to hear it, or they'll have um, kind of a, a bit of a negative reaction to it, perhaps. Like me? <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> Uh, because I'm tying in a couple things that are a bit hard, I think, for people to want to see in, in the same picture, right? Specifically when we're talking about uh, um, blood ritual and sacrifice and feeding viruses. So mm -hmm. we're talking about health. Um, this obviously, I've mentioned in many episodes in the past. Oh, let me turn on our studio light. I just realized it's a bit dark. No, it was on. All right. Yeah. I'll just leave just it on. Like... We're just good like this. Mm -hmm. Um I've mentioned in past episodes that uh, learning a couple key things for me has just altered the way that I approach my health. And I realized that health in general is something to me that is actually very easy. If you're, mm -hmm. if you're somebody willing to want to connect to reality and want to connect to wor the world in a positive way, then wanting health and wanting to understand your relationship to the real natural world, it goes hand in hand. Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost a bit of a, a, it kind of even, it, it borderlines almost spiritual on that level because we're not just talking about health so that you can concentrate at work or health so mm -hmm. that you can uh, do more push-ups. We're talking about health in, 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 a, in a holistic relationship to the universe, really. And Something that comes more and more up today is, and you go online, you know, Madeline made many episodes about her venture going all in, right? And for her going all in was this uh, attempt to get over eating disorders, which was just jumping from one diet to the next, to the next, to the next. And it was very hard for her, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I supported her every step of the way. And I think that a lot of girls have uh, massive difficulties with giving up dieting, specifically when they don't have a support with them, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a very scary thing for, I think, a lot of people because a lot of us don't understand health, you know? This is why we jump from one diet to the mm -hmm. next to see if it works. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes we get that placebo effect of wanting it to work or even more so uh, sometimes uh, jumping from one diet to the other, you might feel great because actually what you're leaving out was 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 messing you up, and it's not necessarily that the new diet has any type of magic in it. Mm -hmm. It's actually that you've ex you've excluded something that was previously probably not not doing you too well. Yeah, yeah. specifically in your life circumstance and uh, situation, specifically the way that you use your body every day. And I always kind of uh, to myself, I always say that um, the way that I use my body. Uh, it precedes my health, not the other way around. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not going to fool myself into thinking that I'm going to be really healthy, go to the gym all the time, 
and then sit on my ass for eight hours a day at a computer screen and think I'm going to be healthy in the end. Why would I be trying to develop an athletic body when really what I want to do with my time is sit around and not do much at all? Mm, it's true, yeah. Right? And so this is uh, one of these hard things to discuss with a lot of people because a lot of people, they wish they can just pull their health off of a catalog, <laughs> follow the instructions. Taking the magic pill. Taking the magic pill. I like that. Mm. And it's it's uh, it's really taboo to even to talk about what is healthy and what works and what doesn't. Mm. But today we're going to talk about um, a couple easy concepts that are, are not really like they are intended for a lot of you guys out there to hear this and to want to hopefully um, attack the the core issues of perhaps your own health by understanding a few you know simple principles mm. or even if not understanding the principles understanding uh, maybe the roles of, of of certain things within our own body you know like what does the liver do what is a virus what is bacterium how do they reproduce what 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 do they do what what's their role in the grand picture of things mm -hmm. you know yeah. we have a tendency to want to eradicate everything and to keep things sterile and only bring in what we like. This is this is our entire farming and, and agricultural practice of today. And I wrote down a little list of uh, pros and cons that I ended up finding online because it seems to be a real big thing today where um, meat is becoming more and more demonized. They've created some stupid cow mask recently to pr the, the, that the cows have to wear over their face in order to reduce the mm -hmm. um, emissions from their breath. And... Um, you have all these ideas of how like it takes eight – for every eight calories give, put into a cow, only one calorie goes back to people. Therefore, eating meat is not economically or environmentally friendly. Mm -hmm. But then you look at the scale on the vegetable side. I'm just going to read a couple little things that I wrote down here. Um, in the meat industry, you have to face the idea that there's cruelty, there's unsanitary conditions, right? Poor health uh, amongst the animals. Mm. Um, antibiotics are used. Hormones are used. And uh, genetically modified um, animals are being produced for the purpose of actually mm -hmm. being grown a specific way. As example, in Canada, they mixed spider DNA with a pig in order to make the pig um, have… Climb the walls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Spider pig. <laughs> exactly. Uh, in order for the pig to have um, more eco-friendly feces. And uh, this is, and, and it's just, it's just like, and the idea is, is that like, even the feed that we feed the animals, even if you take all that stuff away, what are they eating? They're eating the, like they're eating the stuff that's not deemed food for people, right? Often mm -hmm. that's the case. This mm -hmm. is why you have human grade food and animal grade food. It's, it's, it's kind of a, a shit storm, right? And so the, these are things you have to look at. Now in North America, the, the hormones and the GMO is out of control. In Europe, depending on where you are in Europe, it's it's better. Mm -hmm. But the floodgates have been opened mm -hmm. and it's coming this way. And it's been coming this way for a long time. Um, so it's nice to know that, you know, things like uh, using bovine growth hormones to produce more milk like Pozolac or being able to uh, put the growth hormones behind the ear to make the cow grow three times faster to maturity with better mm -hmm. bulk and all that stuff. That's not allowed in Germany. Thank God. <laughs> and, I, and, I'll, and I'll say I noticed immediately, like I, I, I weaned myself off of a lot of dairy products back home but just because of the um, negative stuff that's in it. You know, I just, I didn't, I didn't want it. You know, mm. I'm still the type of person that every time I go to the store, I, I read every ingredient thoroughly. And if I don't know what it is, I put it back. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and if, and if I choose to go later on and, and find out what it was, 
Uh, there was recently a couple new uh, sugars uh, that they had created, like, um, well, I can't remember what they're called. It doesn't matter, but, you know, sugar substitutes. Mm -hmm. And then I find out, uh, uh, I think it's Maltoid or something like that is one of them. Maltoid. Uh -huh. Maltoid. Malt, malt. It, it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a, it's a new type of sweetener that um, is used by hydrogenating. Um, I have to look at that again. It's by taking a. Uh, it's by taking a. Um, I think it's a benzene byproduct. If, if I'm not, if I'm not sure, I have to take a look at that. But anyway, it's just like when you look at the way that a lot of these sugars are even made, it's it's just petrochemical influence, mm. and you can see that this is a, a big problem in the sense that. Um, the ability to want to even relate to food on a healthy way, like when food starts becoming manufactured, much like, you know, the medications for our headaches and so on and so forth. These are all uh, petroleum byproducts, right? These are these are things made in laboratories. There are things that are made in turbines. They, they don't come from being grown under the sun. You know, they, mm. don't, they don't come from being a part of the natural environment. And I and I tend to just lean away from that in general because I I, I want to lean more towards the yep. natural environment. And I don't have a reason to not want to. Right. Um, so let's uh, a couple of things I want to just go through before we go into yep. the meat of it today. I mentioned the the idea of you know what a lot of people are putting forth is that it's a big problem with the meat industry. But let's look at the the vegetable industry. Mm -hmm. Right. The the fruit and vegetable industry. Yeah. <laughs> Give him a little pet. He's uh, he's crying quite a bit. Mm -hmm. We'll be. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, so with vegetables, and, and when we talk about vegetables, now we're talking about, for the most part, um, huge monocultures, right? Which to me is is immediately a red flag, yep. right? So we're talking about massive chemical industry. We're talking about fertilizers. We're talking about pesticides. We're talking about tilling the fields. Mm -hmm. Now, for all of you guys out there who don't really understand what tilling is, when you're in your garden, you use a rake to kind of like flip the earth a little mm -hmm. bit to, to 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 you know to mix the soil so that when you plant, um, you you have you have more access to nutrients and you use fertilizers and pesticides and stuff like that, and they get deeper in the ground. Now the problem is is that we use the the pesticides or we use the, the the pesticides to kill everything, right? We use the herbicides and uh, the fungicides and all that stuff to get rid of whatever mm -hmm. might be there. So we sterilize the earth. And then we till it by the, we have these huge tractors that have these huge spirals on them and they go deep into the ground and they flip the ground over. And what's really disturbing about mm. that is what lives within the first 50 centimeters like of, of, of the earth. You have all these bugs, you have mm -hmm. gophers, like you have, to, yeah, exactly. You, yeah. you have rabbits, you have earthworms. So you have all of the, this, this life that's there that's being flipped over and chopped into pieces and then, uh, you know, reintroduced with pesticides. So we're, we're, we're sterilizing the earth for the monoculture on a, on a microbial level and flipping it. And um, we're depleting it of the nutrients in the way that we actually do our practice in, in an industrial world, right? And then we add the fertilizers and the chemicals and the herbicides and all that stuff. Um, so the widespread of soil sterility is is becoming a, a huge problem right and it's and it's a pollution issue it's a it's a dust problem it's 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 a big issue because now the uh, when you have a field that's that dead to bring it back to the life mm -hmm. it's it's that yeah, yeah, it's it that much harder right yeah um so there's a reduction in life and biodiversity right insects yeah. uh, plants and animals everything and so when I just go through these two lists of the pros and cons, well, not even pros, these are all cons of the meat industry and the vegetable industry, I don't see a better of two evils, 
right? I yeah. really don't because the problem I'm seeing is the industrialization of both. Absolutely. Yeah, in, in both cases. And there's also maybe to bring in a little bit of the shamanic approach and mm -hmm. you on that. I, I used to be a vegetarian for over 10 years or, so, you know, yeah. a lot of a lot of times in my life because of the ethics. Uh, I didn't want to, you know, suffer animals in order to become my food. Yeah. Although to, I grew up on a, on a farm, you know. To, I, to, I, to receive your food. To receive? Oh, okay. Yes. In, in, in German, you can uh, make sport and become a banana in the end and be very satisfied. <laughs> is that so? <laughs> <laughs> but in, in English, becoming a banana is something very different. It means, uh, you know, werden, to actually one day become a banana yourself. Yep. So for you guys, you just learned a nice little language uh, tip right there. <laughs> All right. In German, the word uh, for... <laughs> the word become in German is to receive. And a lot of Germans tend to use it in English thinking did, it's the same. What did I say? You said uh, to uh, become good food or good good nutrition or I'm, something. I must be tired today because yeah, actually that's, that's, a, that's not know, something, something that's I, not, I, I, I should know. That's not something that she ever really makes a mistake on very <laughs> no. easily. But for you guys out there, when you ever hear a German person say become something, they, they usually mean receive. Because <laughs> that's what the word in German means. <clears throat> Anyways. <clears throat> So yeah, I grew up on a farm, and I, you know, I saw how my grandpa was kill, killing the the piggies and the chickens yeah. and all that. Yeah. So I, I knew where my came my food came from. But eventually, I decided I want to be a vegetarian. But then I also engaged myself more into the shamanic worldview, and I asked myself, what is it about you know people who are who are shamanic practitioners or just in general, how do mm -hmm. they live? And I met a couple people actually quite a lot who were eating everything. And I say, you know, in in terms of. Uh, you know, what? what is more advanced, like animals or plants, there is no such thing as the one feels more than the other. Because yeah. from that point of view, everything has a spirit and everything is ensouled and everything is connected. So mm -hmm. even plants have, or at least the same, you know, the same amount of like emotions, maybe another level that we would measure as a, we would say from, you know, biological point of view as animals, yeah. but they do feel and they do perceive their environment in a specific way and yeah. you you know growing these plants on a monoculture is at least as catastro uh, catastrophic as having the pigs and, and the animal and the chickens you know squeezed mm. together so i find it, it actually crazy the same... that the, the these monocultures are, are actually destroying more life than anything, I think. I just think that the, mm -hmm. that 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 to me is like you're saying about the pigs and the, the yeah. There's the idea of animal cruelty when we mass mm -hmm. herd them and put them into little buildings. Mm -hmm. But okay, so if we get rid of all the animals, there's no cruelty left, and that's the problem that I have with monocultures with yep. vegetables. Is it actually destroys all the life there, mm -hmm. and so therefore we think that vegetables, in that sense, are yep. are not killing animals because they're fucking gone. They've yeah, already been killed. There are more aspects to it. And right? It really runs deeper than just say you know like, but animals do feel more than plants do. Yeah, um, that's a different discussion. But that's I a different discussion. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But as I said, you know, now I have that. I, I see both as equal and you know mm -hmm. I'm also part of this world I'm also part of the food chain I have to eat anything I have to eat something I mean you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, I really learned to really accept myself as being part of the food chain and see ask my body what is it that I need and sometimes I need a lot of meat and mm -hmm. you know I, I, I've tried to get that meat from a good source where you know like we mm -hmm. order from a farm or something where they treat the animals well or we have our own garden yeah. and we try to grow our own food and that's absolutely completely different connection that you have to your food sources than just going to the grocery shop yeah. and get the stuff from the shelf and you don't know where it comes from you don't know how mm -hmm. it's been treated all that and I think if we would bring back that kind of life um, 
attitude or life circle to yeah. our, you know, that that attitude to our lives that we really appreciate where our food comes from, no matter if it's from an animal or a plant mm -hmm. or a fungi or <laughs> whatever well. or water, just to, to really appreciate that, you know, this, this animal, this specific plant has given its life for us to continue ours. And I think that's a really nice way to see it. Absolutely. Uh, I find that to like today, when you look at what our priority lists are, a lot of people, they put eating at the bottom of their day. Mm. You know, they're going to they're gonna get up and have their coffee. That might be, <laughs> for a lot of people, high priority, maybe, you know, <laughs> for others, smokes and all that stuff. Mm. Um, and then they go to work. Uh, they're often not hungry immediately, so they often skip meals. And yeah, then yeah. they snack on the way to work because, you know, their sugar crashing from their coffee and mm. whatever. And um, then I, I've seen this over and over and over here in Germany, the way that the industry has now changed health. Yeah. And people carry out their eight-hour day and lunch break to them, if they can afford the time, is some garbage white bread nonsense. Yeah. And the yeah, solid yeah. meal that they get at the end of the day is when they get home and it's late and they're so sugar crashing and hung hungry for anything that it's often more carbs and more sugars and more refined foods that are quick to cook and quick to eat. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I, I find that I've seen it so much that people just wolf down their food because it's, it's an inconvenience if they don't eat uh, because then they can't finish their task at hand. So mm -hmm. we, it's it's funny because when you look at life and you look at the really biology in general, n wanting to eat good quality food for most species mm -hmm. is at the top, right? Yeah. The only time That's most of the time they spend in order to find good food sources, right? right? And the only time yeah. you'll find an animal not wanting to eat and put it at the top of its mm -hmm. priority list will be because it's sick. Because it has a virus in it. And this is this True. is a big yeah. part of the yeah, episode yeah. today. Or, you know, like on the migration or something because they're yeah. on... Yeah, or, or sexual uh, uh, hunting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and right? also interesting, you know, specifically animals that are herbivores, they have to spend a amount of time to find food because right. for them, you know, gaining energy from food sources is hard work. Because yeah. it's you have to break down the fiber, you have to kind of somehow absorb these, these nutritions and, then, and there's not a lot in plants, so... Like with rabbits or cows, you know, they, they have to continuously um, eat and, and yep. graze, graze, yeah, graze. Gra yep. grazing. Yep. And so for them, finding food is just takes the whole day. Yeah, that's why they're just all day <laughs> long eating. Like you think about yeah. uh, the, uh, it's funny, the panda bear is actually a herbivore, right? And yeah. and they sit around eating bamboo and doing fuck all all day to conserve <laughs> their calories. And and, the, and, and they're constantly eating, right? Uh I remember seeing we have a couple pandas at the at the at the zoo. Um, they never got German citizenship, so they're still Chinese. Uh, in Berlin, I mean. yeah, in Berlin, yeah. So the so I remember the president, whatever from China, came over and visited them back when uh, one of the pandas gave birth a couple of years ago. And uh, then somebody put out an article as to how much it costs to feed the little buggers. <laughs> All of their bamboo is imported from rainforests in China yeah. and brought to Berlin to make their their main diet. And I'm just thinking, maybe bring the pandas. Back, back to the rainforest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't need yeah. to be in this shit climate. Zoo is right? a different topic. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, zoo is 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 yeah. a very different topic, right? Um, so let's talk a bit about you know science reporting. Um, and we got a lot of stuff to go through today. We, we've got a lot of notes. Mm. We have a lot of uh, links and websites we want to share with you guys. But uh, though this is smart home stupid people, this is the reason why we don't do a lot of scripting for our mm. episodes. We like to let it flow. We like to, um, you know, give every episode a life of itself. 
Though today we actually, even for, for me myself, I, I ended up doing a lot more research for this episode than normal because it was actually a topic I was researching for myself, for my own mm-hmm. health, I, all for, for the last while. And this is something I thought, you know, I think that people would also like to hear about this. So the main t- part about feeding viruses is going to be about, um, we have viruses in us, all of us, mm-hmm. everything all over the planet. Maybe you can do us a, a good uh, <laughs> a good service at explaining what makes viruses special in the sense that are they alive? Mm-hmm. Um, how do they reproduce? What do they need to reproduce? Mm-hmm. So, so kick it off, Medi. Kick it off, Medi. <laughs> so from from when I was you know studying, which is already a couple of years ago, <laughs> yeah. I actually don't really know right now the 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 state of the art, but I think it's still that viruses are not counted into living. Beings, right, and that's that's an ongoing discussion as to yeah, what is life. Yeah, it was back then when I studied. I think it still is because it's not so clear. You know, is it part or is it not part? Well, because we are not really so sure what makes an, a living being a living being, and there are right. a couple a couple things that you know a living being has to be able to do. For example, reproduction, and this is already where the virus is kind of you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, not working well because it's not able to reproduce itself. itself That's why yeah. it has to infect another cell, like a bacteria cell or, you know, like a cell, like a human cell, animal cell, mm-hmm. in order to use the their reproductive, their um, system to... Um, to <laughs> what is it doing? The cat to, is rolling around in front of uh, Maddie. Make copies she of, can't of, concentrate. <laughs> he's just <Yeah>. too cute. <laughs> to make copies of itself. So the virus needs like another cell as a as a kind of, you could think like of um, a machinery, you know, to produce the the parts and put the, together the parts that is needed in order to create new viruses. So right. the virus can't do it itself. That's why exactly. it's not it's considered not to be a living being because it's not able to reproduce itself. Right. And what does it need? Like um, now we're talking about on an, <laughs> on an amino acid level and um, on a nucleus level. How, how does that work? Well, specifically, I believe, you know, I would just say the basic as every cell you you have to have the information how to build the cell you know mm-hmm. what kind of parts you need and that's um, that's these informations are in the DNA or mm-hmm. you know in the RNA or the RNA is used in order to um to produce the 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 proteins at the end to mm-hmm. um make the copies and all that and so this whole machinery is used in order to produce or to to read the the information from the DNA yeah. And then to create the amino acids from it, the amino acids you put together to proteins and the proteins are basically the parts that you are need, mm-hmm. you know, like you have, for example, the the caps, capsid mm-hmm. of the virus and this is a protein. So you need to have these parts to put everything together and that's why you, you have to have a cell that is able to have the reproduction of the, mm-hmm. um, yeah, was it the DNA? Transcription and okay. all that. Yeah, right. Sorry, yeah. I was looking for that word. <laughs> um, that's interesting. I like it's, it's interesting to think that that it's word is It's a very, is used. Yeah. very complicated well, process it, it you is, might remember from school, but, you know. Like well, well what I'm focusing on right now is, um, okay, so what I learned was is that out of the main amino acids, you have uh, a couple that are very interesting in that uh, they form very similar tasks. And I'm talking about um, L-arginine and L-lysine. Mm-hmm. Now, L-isin and arginine are both used for cell reproduction. Um, they're they're both good for muscle growth mm-hmm. and uh, and healing and all that stuff, right? It's a it's an essential acid that we use for building every, like tissue, mm-hmm. everything, right? Mm-hmm. And um, what's interesting about that is that the 
they both ride in the body on the same train, so to say. Mm-hmm. But lysine tends to get there first. Mm-hmm. And that means that it's a competition, right? Mm-hmm. So it, th- these are called the um, uh, AAT, so amino acid transporters, right? And so the AATs, they're in our body there to take these amino acids from our, our, our digestive system, what we've, what we've consumed, and bring them to where they need to go. And if your food ratio is always higher in lysine than it is to arginine, mm-hmm. then the lysine will um, will will block all the, the, the areas where the arginine can go mm-hmm. and the arginine can't get there, right? So uh, I'm just going to read a couple sources um, instead of paraphrasing it myself. Um, these are two sources from the NIH, right? So arginine is an amino acid that has been shown in a non-clinical, in non-clinical studies to be uh, essential... In life, my writing here is so small, I'm trying to read it. In the life cycles of many viruses. Therefore, arginine depletion may be an effective therapeutic approach against, and in this in this case specifically, they talked about SARS. Now, um, it's interesting because anybody who lives with um, a, a bad herpetic virus, that, mm-hmm. that can be a type of rosacea, that could be eczema, that can be the herpes as we know as cold sores, that can be... Um, um, shingles, right? I, I had shingles in the past and that's where it really started for me. Um, and so on and so forth. There are, I should I should have looked this up before we started, but there are hundreds of different types of herpetic viruses. Mm. Some of them only affect monkeys. Some of them only affect humans, right? Some of them are cross uh, uh, species. Some of them, if they jump from monkey to human, you're dead. And uh, this is a big reason why when you go out into uh, certain parts of the world, they urge the people not to touch the monkeys mm. because you can get a, a type of virus that you can't fight. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's just that simple. Um, and so here is another one from the NIH that says, L-lysine has been shown to block L-arginine transport in vitro, most like uh, most likely via a competition blockade and a down-regulation of cytonic amino acid transporters. What's uh, cytonic? Uh, cy- sorry, um, cationic. So that's a cation. That, that means that's, that's a, a cation the is a... Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cation is the charge of the, of the actual... Um, um, Nuclear uh, of the uh, anto- atom, right? Um, if you want to let him out, he's, he's getting <laughs> he's a lying. little whiny right there. Um, and and so that that to me, it's it's really interesting to see how something so simple uh, as to just knowing what is in the what's the balance of arginine to lysine in the food that you're eating. Because if the balance of your food is more in the arginine direction, then it's going to have it's going to feed viruses and bacteriums inside of you that want to reproduce. And furthermore, the there's this the, there's definitely um, I'll just leave the door open. That's fine. Yeah. There's there's a, another huge correlation with um, L-lysine and um, LDL cholesterol. Now, LDL cholesterol is a funny word because it's not actually a cholesterol. LDL is I think also a type of protein uh, that that carries the cholesterol mm-hmm. to where it's got to go. Maybe before you go into more detail, just mm-hmm. to make you know, like a little preview, why we are telling you all of these detail things. <laughs> it's a long. It's going to be a long episode, I think. But uh, yeah, let's well, do that. Well, but a bit. yeah, I think it's important why you know we start to go into such detail about um, viruses and and proteins and amino acids. I mm-hmm. think um, the virus and its reproduction and the ratio between arginine and lysine is, I think, one of the best examples to show you how you can, you know improve your health, how you can defeat a virus infection by such a simple thing as your diet 
knowing some basic things about biology. And I think this is what it's really about here in that show to show you, you know, like the the more you uh, give up your own responsibility that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, you have to be, uh, yeah, you are dependent on other people's information. Rather, if you educate yourself, if you know about this stuff, right. then you can make your own choices and you will be astonished how easy it sometimes is to, you know, treat illnesses that other people would just go to the doctor and say, you know, yeah. give me a pill or something. That's why we want to bring that example to show you this how, is Yeah, exactly. Working. How some of these guidelines um, can be used to such a powerful advantage. Yeah. You know, I know people like myself, I was suffering. I was suffering big time um, with outbreaks all over me, uh, constant fevers, uh, night sweats, all mm-hmm. this stuff. And it's funny because I think that I had that actually for a lot longer than I thought I had it. I, mm-hmm. I think that my 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 diet, you know, back when I was in North America, mm. um, I was eating a lot of nuts. I was eating a lot of wheats. I was eating a lot of breads. A lot of those foods that you can take with you that are easy and they're which dry storage. Which have a lot of arginine. Which in. have an incredible amount of arginine in it. I found out later yeah. on thereafter. So, and and the reason why I started off with this meat and vegetable thing is because pretty much all meat products are high in lysine naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of these funny things. So now on, uh, when I talk about the idea of the ritual, we're going to get into this more into the end of the episode. But you have to ask yourself, specifically when the, the NIH has this information on hand and they were in charge of uh, what had happened and unfurled over the last couple of years, that was the first thing when I first heard the idea of a lockdown uh, back in 2020. I thought to myself, it doesn't make any sense. Mm. If they're going to lock everything down, the only foods available are going to be shit sugar foods. Mm-hmm. And and high arginine foods. How is and I and I remember telling a a couple friends of mine at the time saying, if this type of information, just sugar, uh, pH level in your blood and your body, mm-hmm. and and arginine lysine um, balance doesn't come to the forefront of this, then um, then then I can already tell that this entire thing is going to be more of a blood ritual than anything else. Mm, but because the, ha- mm-hmm. sorry, just to put it into perspective, why it would make sense, you know, to eat more um, meat and and milk and, and and like dairy products than right. you know, as you said, the sugar is because, as we said, there is more uh, lysine in animal products than arginine. And we said in the beginning that lysine and arginine in the body they have like a competition about binding. Mm-hmm. sites right and yep. so specifically uh, with viruses it has been shown that the more lysine or the, the better the lysine arginine ratio is for lysine so the more lysine you have in your body that the viruses are not reproducing that well and mm-hmm. there's a lot of detail to it we don't need to go too far into it but it has something to do with you know um, influencing some transporting of uh, some ionic what was that? The anionic? <laughs> Sorry, the, no, we're talking about the, the transporters within the body that actually transport um, the amino acids to where they have to go. So that was one part, but the, also the other part, I think, you know, it has probably something to do with the way the, the viruses is put together and something like that. So we, we, well, we were not really looking or founding the, the, the main thing, but what is clear is that the better the lysine arginine for lysine, the less likely is that the viruses were producing. No, well, that was the exact uh, the exact same thing that uh, the NIH had written yeah. about. And that was that um, the when arginine is 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 um, deficient, viruses will starve out because mm-hmm. they can't reproduce. So the elements that the viruses require to reproduce won't be available to them as easily if lysine is at the at the uh, yeah. uh, at the always higher than the arginine balance. And so I'm going to give you guys a couple examples of foods that I 
you know, there are lists like this all over the place. All you got to do is type in uh, lysine to arginine ratio online and you'll find this. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, it says at the top here margarine, which is funny because margarine traditionally was an animal product that became more vegetable product. Is that called butter? Well, no, butter but, is a, but, the animal and margarine is a plant-based. No, not, not at all. At no? I mean, today no. we think of it that way. Uh, margarine is just the idea of um, using an emulsifier with water and dropping fat into it slowly in order to create mm. a homogenous uh, substance similar mm -hmm. to like butter, but like margarine. And so originally I think it was done with lard. It was a way of actually creating a fluffier, lighter butter that actually had less um, animal property or had less of the original materials in it, like, mm -hmm. the, like the butter and all that stuff. And it was more soft at room temperature. Right or, or when you put it take it when you put it in the fridge and take it straight out it was softer so it was one of these it was originally just a a nice spread to put on 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 bread and so on right mm. but over the years it has become more that same exact process is now used in um, vegetables uh, oils and so most margarine today is vegetable oil and then you have also vegetable oil mixtures with butter um, that you see often as well to make the butter softer too. Mm -hmm. So um, margarine's at the at the top of this list, but as you go through the list, you see a lot of dairy products, you see a lot of um, cheeses, right? Uh, and then you get into the vegetables, and that's that's more. Just to just clarify here, um, you have the this column here is the lysine, uh, and then this one is the arginine. The ratio, if the ratio is over one point no, then it's higher in lysine. If it's below one point no, then it's mm -hmm. higher in arginine. It, the ratio, right? Mm -hmm. And so the idea is, is that foods that are closer to one, zero, um, you can eat as much as you want, but, you know, be careful, right? And even when you cook the foods too hot, mm. the lysine content goes down. So a lot of this stuff will also depend on how the food is prepared. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't just throw lysine supplement into a stew. It's not going to work that yeah, way, okay. right? Uh, so it's, it's, so that's why it's better to actually, if you're going to take a lysine supplement, like, um, you can uh, like that powder, granulated powder or pill form mm -hmm. to take it before the food. That way mm -hmm. it doesn't get cooked um, with it. Or if you're, you know, eating it cold, like with yogurts or whatever, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, it doesn't taste that, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's a little weird taste. <laughs> right. And as we go down the list, uh, you see we start getting into apples and pears and uh, all these uh, all these other things, fried um, figs and stuff like that. We're, we're still up in oh, like yeah. 1.5, 1.8. Then we start getting into tuna, shark, carp, pike, mackerel. So a lot of fishes are still 1.5, nice and high. Tomatoes are 1.5. Um, we go down the list, pineapple, 1.3. Um, beef, all that stuff is still over 1.0. Mm -hmm. If we go closer to the 1.0 area, you're going to start to see interesting change. You're going to start to see... Um, Whole egg they is is typically right around one zero, and the reason is because egg white is above one zero and yellow is below. Mm -hmm. And so, if you have a, a big egg, like every egg is kind of different, right? So, and that that's that's a big reason why egg is a it's an interesting one point zero kind of marker. I find you know you can add an egg into whatever you're having, and it's not going to bother you on that level. Um, but then it starts going into. You get lower, uh, different types of corn. I've seen certain types of corn go down to 0.7. I've seen other types be higher up, right? Um, then you have turnips, oysters, clams, and so on and so forth. And once you start going below 1.9, this is when you start getting into uh, eggplant, wheat, peas, mm. tangerines, oranges. I always found that to be really interesting. So an orange, for example, uh, is 0 0.7. 
And then you go down and you see at the bottom of the list, orange juice is 0.1. So the act of squeezing the orange and putting it on a shelf has made it lost its arginine, mm. its lysine and increase in arginine. Uh, it becomes more sugar water, right? This is why there's such a big difference between fresh pressed juice and juice that has been sitting around for weeks and um, put into a bottle, right? Peanut butter is at the bottom of the list. Onions are at the bottom of the list. I love onions and garlic is at the bottom of the list. Um, pumpkins, cashews, oatmeal. So what I st what you start to see as a trend is that a lot of grains, mm -hmm. right? They Seeds, they go they go nuts. way nuts. Yeah, grains and nuts, nuts they go way nuts. down. There are certain grains like um, spelt uh, in German that's called Dinkel, and it's a uh, it's a grain that's actually a little bit above one zero. So it's it's an okay grain to have in large quantity. Well, it's a, it's an okay grain to eat if you're concerned about the lysine arginine ratio. And as I mentioned this, this is interesting because if you're going to eat food that is below one point then it's important to mix it with foods that are really high, mm -hmm. closer to. 2.0 mm -hmm. to in order to bring the overall level of your meal up which at the end is possible if you have a very mixed diet you know if you have and, a little bit of everything and this <laughs> is where we get into that idea um we are herbivores yeah and, and it's and it's very clear no, we're omnivores or, I'm sorry we're <laughs> exactly <laughs> we're omnivores omnivores and and it's very clear that we're omnivores and not herbivores because of the way that our physiology shows us mm -hmm. so um there's something that all herbivores have uh, animals that is very that that is very different to ca carnivores and omnivores such as ourselves. Mm -hmm. And what is that, Medi? Well, they have a very long gut. They have a very long gut. Very very. And long. why is that? Well, as I said, you know, like for example, take the rabbit. When I was working on the rabbits in Frankfurt, we also dissected some of them. Yeah. And you just saw like the whole abdomen was just full of. God, you know, it was like yeah. one thing after the other. It's like huge, huge, huge. And it's because they it takes for them a long time to break down the fibers of the plant-based material that they eat. Mm -hmm. And so they need that time in the guts to, you know, it like ferments. ferment yeah. it. They have the... Um, Some animals even have multiple that? sections for different stages of fermentation, I've heard. Yeah, well, that, you know, if you go into a like, cow, cow yeah. the, uh, rum, ruminoids? Sure. Ruminoids? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, but also the rabbits, they are also able, or they have some bacteria in their, um, what is it? The, um, the, um, <laughs> oh, the cecum. The cecum. Sorry, I didn't know the word. Yeah, what's in the cecum in the, German? The cecum. You also say it's cecum, or, the, oh, okay. uh, or a... what is the. Um, Blinddarm? Oh, the blinddarm is the uh, appendix. Appendix. Well, that, that's a different one. But the appendix hangs off of the cecum. It's just like right there. Yeah. No, I mean the cecum. Yeah. Anyways, the rabbits have bacteria in that in order to, you know, for them to ferment the the plant-based material so that the, the, the bacteria break down the plants. And then from there, they can use the vitamins and the minerals that come out of it. So they actually eat the first poo they produce. Yeah. <laughs> There's the so-called cecum poo. There's, it's it's soft, softer than the normal poo. And so they re, they refeed it in order to get the benefits from their bacteria friends, you know, breaking down the plant-based material for them. And so they eat it again. And then in the second time, it goes to the normal gut mm -hmm. into the, you know, the normal system. So it's interesting how they evolved in order to make the best out of their um, food, which are, which is only plants. And as I said, you know, there's a lot of fiber. It's a hard, hard to break down. There's yep. not some, a lot of not 
nutrition and energy, they have to eat a lot in order to meet their yeah. energy And for us, as, uh, it's funny because a lot of carnivores, just, go ahead. just to you know, add on that, so you have the, the long gut because of that and also the teeth. If you see that, you know, with animals that yeah. are herbivores, they usually have, like with cows, you know, the big uh, molars to kind mm -hmm. of like or for grinding, grinding yeah. the the stuff to make already start the the whole grinding process of the fibers in in the um, in their um was that mouth mouth yeah sure <laughs> Say that for animals as well mm -hmm. and but if you look at our teeth you know we do have the molars in the back so we absolutely are so equipped to to do know, both to do well yeah to to eat plants but if you also look more into the front of our teeth where we have the egg what mm -hmm. is that the we have the the canine, the canine teeth, teeth. Yeah. and the canine, as it says, canina are uh, for animals that are eat uh, that are meeting eat, yeah. eating meat. Sorry, me, me, meeting eat <laughs> eating eat. <laughs> I would like the meat to eat. Um, the and it's so it's funny though because um, you even see this with a lot of carnivores, like even cats. Cats don't have molars; they only have sharp teeth, mm -hmm. but yet they still actually eat grass. Yeah, a little bit of, of you know, here and there, yeah. as, as you say, you know, like it's, it's good for, for cleaning the gut specifically with animals that have fur to get rid of the, the fur and that they this is, this is uh, the important thing I wanted to kind of touch clean on. clean it out, right. For us as humans, uh, first of all, we are all different. Yeah. Racially, environmentally, there are so many things about age, us. Age, you know, you definitely age, need different that food, it, different ages. So it's very important for all of you guys out there to want to know about yourselves, right? Because yeah. this is where I found actually served me the the Absolutely. most in my life was to yeah. learn about what what what's my deal, what's my lifestyle, right? Yeah. Is my lifestyle preceding my diet properly? And yeah. um and also it really yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it really meets both things. You know, as I, I, I can talk from my own experience being a vegetarian for so long and then starting to listen more to my body and all of a sudden say, you know, I want meat. I want meat. I need meat. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I thought like, okay, what I'm going to do here? And I started listening to my body and started eating meat in a you know, in a way I, I, I wanted it and I felt better. After a couple of weeks, I had bad blood values. My my blood yeah. became better. I had more energy. I yeah. felt generally better. And so I realized, okay, obviously, although I don't like the fact to eat meat, mm. I, I do need it somehow in order to, to have a healthy metabolism or a healthy body. Yeah. And um, from there, really... I really saw these argumentations differently and I thought like, you know, it's it's not black and white. You can't no. just have it like that. And that's a hard thing because I definitely see a lot of, like I think that this idea of going vegan or going carnivore is 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 two extremes radical, of the same yeah. spectrum. And I, I'm, I'm more of the impression that these happen for a reason, right? It happens mm. because a lot of people see the meat industry and are appalled and, they've, and they feel better by cutting out a lot of the garbage. Mm. And then you have that same thing happening on the other side, yeah. which is exactly, you know, people, most vegetarians and vegans that I know are shitty vegetarians and vegans. I would say 95% plus of them. These are people who don't, who are constantly sugar crashing and eating nuts and white flour in order to survive, mm. right? You can't just have a, a, a pizza and take away the, the the pepperonis and eat that all day. You know, that's not, that's not uh, in my mind, that's not health, right? That I understand people who don't want to harm animals and become vegetarian and then vegans because of that. Mm -hmm. and, Veganism is typically usually because of the um, the movement of not wanting to have to have any animal products because it's more about not wanting to get involved in the entire industry. And mm -hmm. I get that too. It's a good knee-jerk reaction to something you don't like. Yeah. But um, the idea of integrating into the universe and the world, as you mentioned in the beginning, we all have to 
eat. Mm. And, you know, just like that kind of Buddhist mantra, um, it's, you will always create suffering. It's your choice mm -hmm. to choose how much mm -hmm. you want to apply. This mm -hmm. is why a lot of Buddhists are vegetarians, right? Because yeah. they choose to not apply that suffering, knowing willingly that on a health level, they're going to suffer a little bit. Mm. And, and, and and it's okay. They would rather take that suffering mm -hmm. on themselves mm -hmm. than have to than, than than the latter, right? Um, and as far as on the carnivore side of things, there are miraculous things. Like a lot of people who were just so nutrient deficient, who just go carnivore, and they get they just all all of these diseases shed off of them, like you know a reptile shedding its skin. Mm. And then you see the same thing about you know people who are junk food eaters, and all of a sudden they go on a on a pure juicing diet for like a month, and the exact same mm. thing happens. And it shows me that what the real issue with a lot of these people is is that they're just so nutrient deficient yeah. to begin with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That at least picking something that's simple is easy for them to, to yeah. just kind of like start from. Start with it, mm. right? So I'm I'm for me. I like a high meat diet. And at the same time, I, I like fermented cabbage. I like fermented vegetables and foods and and and, mm. and fruits, apples. I eat a lot of apples. And, and, and to me, it works well for me, right? Mm -hmm. And it's also important, as I mentioned, if you want to understand what it means to be feeding the virus, I think the lies in arginine table is so, yeah. so cool to just look at and, and just... Look and ask yourself, do you, because I see this with the bodybuilders all the time. Bodybuilders go out and they take these supplements. Sometimes they even take arginine as a supplement and then they come home every day with herpes on their mouth and they don't know why. Mm. And that's why, mm. right? It's 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 uh, it's it's very simple. Then when we talk about sugar, how do in what environment do viruses best reproduce, Mehdi? Well, you should just say, you know, like if you have a very um, acidic blood, well, I didn't say that, but yes. But yes, that's true. Uh, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what I was getting at, was that um, viruses and bacteria, they produce best in acidic environments, mm -hmm. right? This is why when we hurt ourselves, swollen, when when our fingers get swollen because we've stubbed it, you know, somewhere, the what it's doing is your body is making that area of your finger very bassy. Mm -hmm. And it's doing that to prevent bacteria mm -hmm. from from uh, from multiplying in case in order to prevent an uh, infection, right? So that's the body's way of dealing with it by increasing by by changing the pH level into more of an alkaline uh, pH instead mm -hmm. of an acidic pH. Mm -hmm. Right, so it's it's a very interesting way for our body to be able to handle a lot of these stresses, but we with our life we 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 live constantly surrounded by stress, surrounded by lights and yeah. shit food yeah, and, yeah. and shit work schedules and and you know you know like the ability to actually sit around and cook three meals a day for yourself to some people is an impossible luxury. Yeah, and it is hard, right? right? Really it is very hard. Put, put it into your daily. Right. Routine. So I'm going to show this picture again because I just, um, for those of you guys out there who've never even thought about any of this, is that these amino acid ratios within everything you eat plays a huge role into the way that you have the ability mm -hmm. to feed things like viruses in your body. Right. Now, there's a, a very important thing that we're going to go into now, and that is uh, we found a couple interesting um, papers. And uh, a lot of these papers are how lysine interacts, for example, with um, with cholesterol, which is a very interesting thing because cholesterol in and of itself is similar to if you, when you talk about the um, let's let's say big pharma for mm -hmm. for for a moment when you talk about big pharma. It doesn't seem to want to get behind things like amino acids and vitamins as as a a, a good path to health. 
because they can't patent any of it, because they can't market it like that. So you could definitely see that uh, from a big pharma point of view, this isn't interesting. And most of the studies that you're going to find, a lot of the studies that you're going to find, um, they're going to be really, really old, like 50s and 60s. A lot of research was done in the 50s and 60s about uh, amino acids and vitamin C and so on and so forth. And even the purpose of cholesterol, mm -hmm. right? And this is one of these big things where um, there are a couple doctors that I wrote down and I'm going to put into the description later on as well. Um, specifically, let me uh, pull up my notes for a second here. There's a, a Dr. Nadir Ali. Um, he's uh, an Indian doctor. And uh, he he goes into great detail. I'll, I'll post a great video for you guys to watch up about how um, LDL cholesterol has been labeled as a demon unfairly, mm. really unfairly. And then you also have a Dr. Stan Eckberg who says the exact same thing. And I've seen a, a lot of fitness people out there say the exact same thing. Um, and this was actually something that I think was good that came out of the carnivore um, uh, culture, <laughs> let's just put it that way, because all these people who started going carnivore and keto culture as well, so mm -hmm. not just carnivore, um, all the people who were getting into this whole ketone thing and carnivore thing, they all started seeing that same thing happening, that everything in their life was improving. But they go to the doctor and the doctor says, your LDL is shit, you have to change your diet. Mm. It, it, it's the weirdest thing. So think about think about that like, you know, for a second. Um, typically doctors, they look at a symptom and they, they want to give you a drug and tell you to to, to mm -hmm. fix that, that that symptom. But in this case, LDL cholesterol is not a symptom. Mm -hmm. It's just it's, the it, value it, of your... It's, it's the value of yeah. the LDL level in your in your system. And they look at it and they say, that's not good. You have to change that. And you're thinking, mm. well, everything else in my blood value is good. My entire health and, and, and fitness and allergies, all that stuff is good. Maybe we just, let's just forget about LDL for a second. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that a lot of these doctors are saying the same thing. They're saying that LDL, um, it increases, oh, sorry, that LDL is, what happens is, is you have your HDL and your LDL. And by subtracting the two, you could come up with um, how much LDL your body is also losing. So what happens is a lot of the LDL end up gets, gets into the gut and secreted, you know, with, uh, with, mm -hmm. with your food and all that stuff. So what ends up happening is, is that, Though the body starts producing more of the LDL, a lot of the extra LDL that the body doesn't need because the liver has LDL receptors that for when they come back, that comes back into the liver, all the extra ones get thrown away as the body, as the liver keeps mm -hmm. making more. And um, it's been shown in many studies now that show how uh, LDL cholesterol in your body is used to prevent bad bacteria from reproducing mm -hmm. and and um, and parasites and so on and mm -hmm. so forth. So there are so many uh, functions of the LDL cholesterol that are actually very positive. Yeah. The, it, the issue that we have with LDL cholesterol is we believe that um, it can generate plaque within the arteries, increasing risk and chance of heart attack. And it's a funny thing because I heard a guy talk the other day say that um, if a fire's at your house and 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 you know you go to your house because your house is on fire. You're gonna see the 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 paramedics. And you're gonna see the firemen, but you're never gonna imagine that they're the cause of the fire. Mm -hmm. They're always at the scene of the accident, mm -hmm. but they're not the cause. So it's a funny thing that he said. He said that LDL is always at the scene of the accident, but the question is, is it really the cause? Mm. Yeah. And, yeah, and so <laughs> Dr. Nadir he put forth. Uh, there, he said there was a study done in um, Scotland years back, uh, using uh, however many thousands of people, and. Um, 
they were looking at the the cholesterol levels in their in, in, in their bodies. Now, Scottish people eat like like they they're known for having one of the worst diets on the planet. Everything is deep fried, right? Uh, <laughs> and mashed. And mashed exactly because <laughs> they don't have teeth anymore. But the point was is <laughs> that the true. correlation that they had found was that um, here I wrote it down as well in my notes. Do, 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 do. I'll have to find it in my notes. That's, I should make notes to find my notes. <laughs> there it is. Um, that LDL, I don't have actually what I was looking for. Yeah, here it is. Uh, do, 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 do. Do I know, it's awful, <laughs> right? Um, LDL helps for... Uh, so, so what he said is that... Um, I didn't actually write that part down. I wrote a different part down, so that's why I got lost in my own translation. That, um, you know, see, this is our live show. For all of you guys out there, this is live. Ask us a question, make a comment, <laughs> tell us whether what you were talking give about is call. stupid or, uh, you know, <laughs> give us a call, exactly. Um, and participate because I think this is a really fantastic um, um, idea, just how you can take something so simple, such as the amino mm. acids, and just look at what their roles are and um, what, what they're for and the sugar levels in your body and how the things that you perhaps don't want in your body, such as bad bacteria and uh, viruses, what they mm. need to survive and just mm. take that away from them. And then you'll, you'll just see a world of difference in your life, right? So the study in Scotland um, showed that the... Um, Cardiac uh, uh, CVDs, right, which are, are cardiovascular diseases, um, that inflammation, insulin resistance, and uh, stress, and so on and so forth, like on a cellular level, was much, much lower in all the people with high cholesterol. Mm -hmm. And so it was showing the opposite trends that we're always told by our our, our uh, cardiologists that uh, LDL is not good, and you mm -hmm. and you and for a, and they'll, they'll put you on something called. Um, Statins, I believe they're called, which are mm -hmm. a type of uh, drug to reduce um, the LDL, the, car the, 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 the overall cholesterol in your mm -hmm. body. But uh, more and more, we're starting to see that uh, insulin resistance is the cause of heart failure, not LDL cholesterol. LDL cholesterol will be there at the scene shortly thereafter, but it's not the cause. Mm. So... Um, Interestingly enough, uh, the the Dr. Ali, he then went on to say that um, ketones and LDL, right? Um, fasting and LDL and low carbs and LDL, they all have a, a relationship to one another. So as you fast and you stop taking in carbohydrates, mm -hmm. LDL spikes, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, as you take in more um, L lysine in your diet, LDL spikes. Um, as you go into ketosis, LDL spikes, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's really interesting to see how all of these things go hand in hand. And so how LDL helps against the propagation of bad bacteria in the gut and so on and so forth, as we mentioned. Um, they actually... Uh, LDL is another funny thing is it actually plays a, a crucial role into testosterone and estrogen, mm -hmm. right? Helping men look handsome and women look beautiful and all mm. that stuff. So this is a really interesting thing too, that when you start to really look at the global diet and what's more common nowadays and, and go through online, take, take your own time and, and really go through what is high in arginine or, or just ask yourself, what do you eat in a day? And, and find out if your overall intake, specifically meal per meal, is lower than 1.7, for example, or 1.8 uh, uh, um, lies into arginine ratio. Because if it is, 
you're probably going to fall into a high risk of cardiovascular distress. Mm -hmm. You're probably going to have shit insulin levels. You're probably going to be at risk of diabetes, so on and so forth. And that's actually a really interesting thing. I used to be hypoglycemic, hypoglycemic, right? So I, I found mm -hmm. that um, changing my diet, uh, drinking whiskeys, increasing histamines in my diets, uh, eating good red meats whenever I felt like it, um, and exercising a lot, I don't have problems like that anymore. I used to get blur blurry eyes and all that stuff because I would have a, a sugar spike and, and, and I couldn't see anymore, right? Mm. And uh, that stopped when I started changing and altering this because uh, it, was, it, was, it was just working more harmoniously with my sugar levels in my body. So that, that I find to be, it's, it's, it's a completely different topic. You know, I know that we, we went off on a little bit, but I do want to bring up a couple of studies um, to talk about this as well because it's also... Um, relevant as to how even big industry uses this type of information to um, propagate whatever it is that they're propagating, for example. Yeah. So this is an interesting study. This is actually, Madeline said, this is a good example of a study that's poorly written. <laughs> <laughs> so we only have the abstract in front of us, and it was originally written in, uh, what? Uh, what's the name of this paper, Maddie? Archivos. Latinoamericanos de nutrición. There we go. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. So <laughs> you can't you can't say that it's a it's a good one or not. Uh, but anyway, the lysine arginine ratio has been directly associated with serum cholesterol levels. What's serum cholesterol, Medi? Uh, serum is the um, the oh my god, I just like the the plasma is the liquid part of the blood, and the serum mm -hmm. is the all the cells and stuff. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's see what happens here. We have a uh, we have a comment. Oh yeah. I'll bring one in. So I've been taking L-Lysin every day for probably a year. It helps so much in preventing my cold sores from breaking out. Apparently L-Lysin and L-Arginine are a good combo. Um, I got to look. So when I say L-Arginine, uh, it's, it's the balance between L-Lysin mm -hmm. and Arginine. Now, it's funny because a lot of people do that exactly. So I'll, I'll finish reading the, the comment. Um, I'll bring it back up. It says, I got to look into that if it would benefit me. I just never taken the combo because they were... So I'm not talking about taking arginine and lysine. What I'm saying is, is that all foods have lysine and mm -hmm. arginine in it. And you want to eat foods that have a ratio that is more than 50% lysine mm -hmm. to arginine because the arginine will get starved out in the body and mm -hmm. won't be delivered mm -hmm. to the uh, the viruses, right? Starving out the viruses. And the the important thing, like a lot of people do that, they go out and take the supplements. But what I'm saying is, is you don't need the supplements if you um, look at what, what the ratio of what you're eating is yeah, and your yeah. food is. And what's interesting is that this, this uh, article that we're going to read right now, this paper, this at least the abstract section of it, it goes into this detail, and it's really interesting. Actually, there is something really interesting in it that I found to be very fascinating. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. So let me start reading this. It says here, the lysine-arginine ratio has been directly associated with the serum cholesterol level. Madeline has just explained what the serum cholesterol is. Male New Zealand rabbits. So this is a good one because Maddie loves rabbits. Uh, <laughs> male New Zealand rabbits with mean weight of 2.1 kilogram were fed at... Uh, libitum? What is ad libitum? Um, as much as they want. As much as they want. Uh, see, all this Latin training that she had to do as well in her studies. <laughs> uh, one of three diets cont uh, uh, containing 14% vegetable oil and 20% protein from casein, which is um, milk protein, soy, or almond. So what they've essentially done is they've taken three groups of rabbits mm -hmm. and they fed one a, a, a milk protein diet Mm -hmm. And they felt, fed another one a soy protein diet, mm -hmm. and they fed another one an almond protein diet. Yeah. Now, what's really interesting to know about this is that if you if you look at that chart that I pulled up earlier, um, oops, that's the wrong one. 
But they 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 wrote it in there, so you don't. They wrote it in there, but I mean, if if you go in here, I'm not going to look them all up. uh, Well, you can make a little quiz. What do you think has the uh, the lowest arginine? Well, there you go. And it says (laughs) into arginine ratio. So it says here uh, the arginine ratio of two point two for dairy protein, right? Zero point nine for soy protein and zero point three for almond protein. Uh, Because uh, almonds are really high in arginine. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So if we're talking about the, the 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 lysine arginine ratio for each one. And as I mentioned before, if it's above one zero, then it's more than fifty percent lysine. If it's below one zero, then it's uh, less than fifty percent lysine. Mm-hmm. And um, so, as I mentioned before, um, dairy protein two point two, soy protein zero point nine. So soy is one of these things where it's typically around one zero, but it can be sometimes dramatically less. Um, so beans are an interesting thing. Like I mentioned, you know, kidney beans, soybeans, all these beans typically tend to be around one zero. Some, you know, black mm-hmm. beans, uh, you know, whatever, they tend to be sometimes a little bit higher. Some of them t- tend to be lower, but beans for the most part, for what I reckon are about one zero. So if you're eating high lysine content food with beans, you're usually okay. But if you're eating beans by themselves, specifically with, like if you're just eating beans and onions mm. and garlic and, you know, it's, it's, it, this is probably not going to be good for you because the onion and the garlic is going to break down the overall level of, uh, of, of uh, lysine to arginine to a point where it's now below uh, a, a health standard. And the original health standard that I had read from the 1950s said that um, people should try and keep their diet um, always at least higher than 0.8 mm-hmm. um, lies into arginine because as soon as you go below 0.8, you end up with issues such as um, um, sugar problems and so on and so forth uh, uh, and the ability to, and, and so on and so forth, like uh, cardiovascular issues. So, and then it says respective, so uh, at the end of three weeks for phase one, the serum cholesterol level of casein in the group was uh, one fif- plus or minus uh, 154 uh, here, how would you read that? How do you how do you read that properly? Um, so one hundred fifty four plus minus twenty five milligram. The plus what, minus. What's DL? Daily. DL milligram slash DL. Maybe it's just milligram different. per. Um, what is that? DL. L- liter. So, but deciliter. Oh, deciliter. Okay, deciliter. so yeah, deciliter. So we're talking about blood, right? Right. So. Okay. Um, mean plus minus SD. Standard deviation. Standard deviation. Okay. Um, Was twice the level in significance greater than um, 0.02? Explain that. So the significance um, greater means in that case that the serum cholesterol level for the casein group. So the rabbits that ate, you know, the the protein that comes from the milk, they had 154 of the um, cholesterol level in their serum. Yep. which was significantly greater, which means like, you know, there is not just by chance greater, but it has a um, statistically significant to it. So it's this difference does not happen just by chance, but right. it is because there is something to it. Mm-hmm. And the p-value gives you just like a, an idea. Well, you, you calculate the p-value in order to understand or to figure out if there's a significant, mm-hmm. statistically significant between, for example, two two samples. Right. In this case, you know, you have the rabbit samples that had the casein, and then you had the rabbits that had the almonds mm-hmm. and the rabbits that had the soy. And so P, and the, P less than 0.02. So the closer you are to null is the the, 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 the more accurate. Well, everything under 0.05 is a significant statistically significant difference. Ah, okay. So and of course the 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 lower 
that value, the 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 higher is the, the probability. probability that right. this is not just by mistake. It basically gives you the probability that these two or these different groups that you compared that this just happened by chance, and mm -hmm. the probability that just happened by chance is less than two two point two percent. Is that the case, right? Zero point zero two. So yeah, so. 2.0% would right. that be. Okay. So it's very, 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 very unlikely that, <laughs> that, that, that these that two, you know, that that the higher um, cholesterol level for the rabbits in with the Hathacasian mm -hmm. just, just happened by chance. It has right. to do with the diet, right. obviously. Exactly. Uh, and, and then so... Drink that short. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it says uh, here, then either of the plant protein groups, soy was 70 plus or minus 7, mm -hmm. uh, almond 78 plus or minus 6 milligram per uh, deciliter. Mm -hmm. Right, deciliter? I think so. I'm not so sure actually to be, Regardless. but yeah, uh, it's just a, yeah, yeah, yeah. DL, I think is that's, that's, I think you're right. Deciliter or whatever it's called. Uh, <laughs> we can look that up. Uh, let me look that Deciliter, up. Deciliter, it's in Germany, so I, in German, so I don't know. That's the thing is that uh, this was written by a Latin American paper, so I'm not sure what, uh, um, what what measurements yeah, they use down there? So they're using DL, which is probably we're just talking about the yeah. blood. Yeah. So that so anyway, it's all the same um, measurement system that they're using in this anyway. Yeah. Uh, so during phase two, the almond diet was supplemented with lysine. So this goes back to what Felminator was just saying. She supplements in her diet lysine. Um, in order to prevent, mm -hmm. let's say, the outbreak of certain types of viruses mm -hmm. in her body uh, or just for overall health. It, mm -hmm. It's also really good for muscle production and so uh, uh, repair and so on and yeah. so forth. Um, but in this case, what they did was they took um, the L-lysine and increased the lysine to arginine ratio from, from 0.3. So what they did is they took the group of rabbits that was fed the almond protein mm -hmm. uh, as their main source of protein. And as we as we mentioned before, uh, the, the casein, so the animal protein, had a, a, a lysine-arginine ratio of 2.2 and the almonds had one of 0.3. So what they did is they raised the ratio from 0.3 to 3.0. So that's mm -hmm. a factor that's 10 times more, right? Mm -hmm. And they did that in order to now make it that the animals who are getting the weakest amount of uh, of ar lysine to arginine in their actual diet mm -hmm. are now actually, they, they receive the most lysine mm -hmm. in, 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 in their yeah. diet with the same diet, right? Mm -hmm. So they're, they're, they're putting the supplement on top of it. And this is interesting to me because the next part then says, well, casein remains as the high and the soy as the low arginine ratio control group Um no, it just just says that the rest, you know, stayed. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So serum cholesterol mm -hmm. levels remain high in the casein and the low for the soy and the groups and the lysine supplementation significantly increased. No, that's P that, you know that's an important thing because here they say you know the serum cholesterol level remained high, so nothing changed for casein. Well, mm -hmm. it's just the same. You know, they just repeated the same yep. experiment, and also it stayed low for the soy groups, which is not you know mm -hmm. surprise mm -hmm. either. While the leucine supplements uh, supplementation significantly increased the serum cholesterol level in the almond protein group, so from seventy eight as as its uh, fr from yeah. its previous uh, um, um, measurement mm -hmm. to one hundred and one, and they said that this is a p less than zero point zero five, which is what you were saying before. Well, Anything less than zero point zero five is statistically very very likely to happen. Oh, it's, the correlation is very likely correct. You can't say it like that. Okay, how can you say it? It's very <laughs> unlikely that it's that it's changed. Yeah. That's the way you can say it. Better. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is better. <laughs> this is acceptable. <laughs> All right. Um, 
And uh, but not greater than the casting group. So it shows you, Felminator, uh, for your comment earlier, that at least this study in rabbits, we're not rabbits. And it's very important to know that we're not rabbits. So <laughs> taking these studies is an interesting way of kind of getting a guideline. But don't pull it one-to-one with our diet and our system, mm-hmm. right? But nevertheless, uh, you know about rabbits. How similar are rabbits to us, really? Yeah, I think, Physiologically. You know, just to, to just... Yeah, I mean, they're mammals, you know. So they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're similar to us, <laughs> but as, as you mentioned before, they're herbivores. Yeah, so that's a, that's so they a ha, they big, have, big difference right? already. You know? So first like, off, they're, they're feeding milk protein to herbivores and they're wondering... For, and for they're like, rabbits. Yeah, and they're like, holy <laughs> shit, this rabbit's not happy. They probably had a good cack after that. Yeah, right? <laughs> Just the first, that was the first thing I thought to myself. It's like, why are they feeding milk protein to a rabbit thinking yeah. that it's going to be normal? So, uh, you mm-hmm. know, are, are rabbits lactose intolerant? <laughs> <laughs> it's a right? good question. Well, a, again, so I, I've never seen a this rabbit. This is one of those you know, examples of why this study having is, him look. Yeah, why this study doesn't is not really well done because there are a lot of questions you have when well, you see this. They just use the rabbits, you know, to just yeah. to, to show. But what they basically found is that when you but they should have done this with an omnivore if they were going to do this study properly, <laughs> at least, right? That, but you really can see here that you know it's not so much the 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 food that you take. That's really more the the lysine arginine ratio that has an effect on your cholesterol level. Well, that was the point. That yes, it, yeah. it so look, they upticked 0.3 to 3.0 in the diet of the almond group, and still they only had 101 plus or minus 10 uh, uh, for for mm-hmm. for their uh, uh, cholesterol level. Whereas mm-hmm. the meat, the, uh, the 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 milk group, mm-hmm. the one that got the milk protein, mm-hmm. had 154 plus or minus 25. Mm-hmm. So that means that some of them had as high as 175 or 174 in this case, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or no, 179, and others had had it much lower, right? Closer mm-hmm. to 129. Yeah, it's a it's a high variation. It's um, a high variation. Actually. So, yeah. which goes to show you, but that was my question: is uh, how can you expect giving milk protein to uh, to to how many to rabbits herbal? they they had? Um, mean weight. Actually, they uh, I think they mentioned it earlier at the but end of the three weeks. It should be actually also in the abstract, but it really you know, that's the other that's the other question. If you had like five or so, <laughs> yeah, they only said the weight of them. Um, yeah, the, the average weight, so the mean weight. Mm-hmm. No, they didn't actually say how many rabbits were part of the study group. That's interesting. So maybe they only had three rabbits. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Right? They had three rabbits. Or it was the same rabbit. They just did it. (laughs) Now you get the casing. Now you get the soy. Yeah, exactly. Now you have the almonds. Exactly. (laughs) And Um, the rabbit's like, (laughs) ah. Right? Uh, But not greater than the casing group. Growth was similar to the rabbits uh, fed soy or casing, blah, blah, blah. And in the end, it says with a P less than 0.02. So the odds of the spike going from 78 because the it's a plus or minus six to 101 plus or minus 10 as a P, which is probability level greater than, uh, less than 0.02. But that was the growth, right? So the growth was similar for rabbits fed soy or casein diets to the study, but lower for the almond group. Yep. So obviously lysine helped, you know, them. To, well, it, it, it helped them grow. And grow at the same time, the, 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 the cholesterol level spiked um, uh, enough. But it's interesting to see, like, it makes me wonder, because obviously uh, we're just talking about cholesterol right now, right? And so what Felminator was saying, she uses lysine to supplement. But you can definitely see that the way that the human body reacts to lysine supplementation with arginine-rich food is not the same as just having lysine-rich food to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I think it's such a complicated topic to really talk about. Okay, is, is, when you're t- when you're eating um, like dairy products, I think there's a lot more into it than just the dairy that's spiking the cholesterol. Because if I'm not mistaken, there's cholesterol 
in dairy products as well that are being introduced to the body. Mm. So if your liver is producing LDL as a result of the lysine and you're taking an external cholesterol, the liver will sort itself out with time. And they didn't, and they said this was done within three weeks. And from what I know is that the liver will produce less LDL cholesterol when you're consuming the cholesterol, right? Mm -hmm. But it takes time for that adjustment to occur. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It doesn't just happen like that all the time. Anyway, so that was uh, that was one paper that we went through that I found to be very fascinating. Uh, just because, you know, Madeline with the rabbits and all that stuff and the, and the fact that lysine arginine is something that, uh, as we saw earlier, it's something that the, um, the uh, what, what do they call it, the NIH has been talking about. It's, there are studies that go back way long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, and you can see that there are a lot of people now who are changing their mind. Uh, a lot of uh, doctors and, and, and sports doctors that are saying, you know, we don't think that LDL cholesterol is the demon we used to believe it to be. Mm -hmm. So maybe we should stop demonizing it and, 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 and reevaluate the way we look at health. And, uh, you know, <laughs> building blocks of life. All right, maybe we should maybe we should take another peek at that. Yeah, what I also learned, you know, with me and my journey of going all in, like mm -hmm. I felt many many times really really good when I was in my um, journey and I, right. I went all in. I guess if a doctor would have looked at my values and blood values, they would have just like you know tell me the the absolutely stop right now right. because I probably would have not met the. The health standards. The health yeah. standards at that point, but my body felt amazing. I was repairing all these things and you know all the the problems that I had. And sometimes I think you can just like over over complicate the whole thing with a lot of mm -hmm. numbers. And again, you know, as you said, who who decided that this value is bad? Someone must have said, you know, like right, this is not good. It's just like with the whole with the spinach, and everyone say, ah, oh, you have to eat spinach because it's rich in uh, iron, and maybe it's well. What about the just, carrots? That was another big one too. You told me about well, that. Well, the carrots, yeah, that was another thing. Anyways, there are well, carrots. Some... They say it's good for your eyes because it's high in vitamin A or some shit like that. And uh, weren't you the one that told me that the reason why that happened is because of uh, a, a transcription error that they put the comma in the wrong place and people thought no, that, that was the one with the spinach. Was it? I thought it was carrots. Yeah, maybe it happened to the carrots as well. Probably. Yeah, well, I, I, you're right. No, I did hear about that with the spinach. Exactly. Yeah. No, that was that, that was uh, the, a... the nutritional element of spinach and carrots were were poorly um, represented because of the original studies had, had placed the comma in the wrong place in the in the abstract. <laughs> Which happens, you know, we're all right? just humans. So, and then people but... are like, oh, this is a superfood for your eyes. So everybody started eating carrots for their eyes and, and spinach for their muscles. Popeye, Popeye yeah. came up from that. Exactly. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just saying, you know, just because it's a number that it's written somewhere, it doesn't mean that, you know, it, it, it can be different too. Like we shouldn't cling to this uh, so, so badly. If you mm -hmm. feel happy and healthy with your diet and just go for it, and I learned from my all-in journey that your body will tell you what's needed. Yep. You know, sometimes you need a little bit more meat, maybe sometimes a little bit more grains. Sometimes you want to have more milk at, at all or you don't yep. like grains at all. That's why I say before, lifestyle precursors, nutrition, yeah. because... It, in the winter, you might have right? something else. And just as, you know, when, when we were more like farmers, uh, we had not so much mm. available through the winter time, or maybe we had like dried, more dried food um, and dried meats or something, yep. whereas in the summer you had more fresh fruits and all that. So the way we live right now that everything is always available in a way is also not something I think our body is 
it's, it's not serving us that we are, you know, think I want this food and that food, specifically superfood, something that comes from somewhere. Well, and that's another big thing too. Well, and I've you should listen to your body. Yeah, I've mentioned more. this in the past that we are different. We live in different climates. We have different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a it's quite a mistake that you have a lot of um, um, racial migration happening all over the globe into areas that the, the, those people are not meant for, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that it's really hard on on. Anybody who does that, it's on. It's hard on their diet. It's hard on on um, a lot of uh, things in their body. It's it's a, it's a constant stressor, right? Like uh, yeah, I just, grew up in. I, just, I, I, I was in Canada when I was younger, and I'll tell you, you know, like black people in the in the freezing cold, they don't handle it the same way white people do. Mm. Their pores are different than us. You know, they go, they it, it, it they can get used to it. It's true, but mm-hmm. I don't think they can ever truly really get used to it the same way a white person can because just we have different physiologies. Just like we probably won't get used to. The, the, the close to 50 degrees temperatures that mm. you have in Kenya. And it's know, just something that you see, the same level. see in nature, you know, it's just like, it's called adaptation. That's right. <laughs> Where you have plants that are doing really well in the desert because they have everything they need in order to live there. They can preserve their water really well. Yep. You know, they, they can protect themselves from the UV radiation where if you take a plant from the northern hemisphere and put mm-hmm. it in the desert, well, guess what happened? Yeah, well, and it's the same thing too. You know, like a lot of Chinese people, for example, are uh, lactose intolerant. They mm-hmm. also can't uh, they can't handle alcohol either. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have allergies towards these kind of things, and uh, that's just because of their culture. They, they don't come from a culture where they drink cow milk. You know, that's yeah. that's a Northern European thing. Yeah, and so I think it's important for you to figure out what is it that you know you are you like what your body mm-hmm. likes what you need and not not sticking to a religion to that or you know someone making you a meal plan. How would someone know what you need every day? <laughs> you know, yeah. every day having the same, the same, like, and I did it. Always ate the same things, oh, you yeah. know, the same for the fitness, uh, muscle growth mm-hmm. and all that. And I, I still to that day, I don't like vegetables anymore because I had way too many of them <laughs> when I was, before I went all in. And so, but now I really see that if you are in tune with your body, you don't need to to figure out your diet. The body does it for you. You just yep. need to, you know, get it, be in tune and, and allow yourself to eat whatever you want without judging. And if it's something, you know, sweet, you just want to have it, then just go for it. You won't have it every day or you yep. would want to have it every day. Yeah. Um, I'm going to bring up a couple more things and I want to okay. talk, I want to change into the third part of the, the <laughs> okay. program today. Um, which is really about maybe a deep, dark ritual side to why why is it this way? Why is it that information that is so easily mm. explained um, and it's so useful and so practical, you know, just like seasonal dieting. I think that's a big thing too, is that mm. when you live in the North or the or very South Hemisphere, we have heavy seasons. And mm-hmm. for that, all the animals do it. You know, they, they change mm. their diet as the seasons change. Yep. And so do we. Sure. And I find that, uh, you know, eating, um, eating mangoes all year round is something that... Uh, even mangoes too. Like even if you live in a climate where you can mm-hmm. have mangoes, they're still they 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 bloom um, when they're in season. Yeah, you know when what they're I mean? ripe, you have exactly. Them right, so. And and I think that this is a big thing: is that when nature is telling us that things are ready, mm-hmm. that's when things are ready. Yeah, that's putting fish proteins true. into strawberries so that we can grow them in um in, in northern states. It, because of frost and, and mm-hmm. it's crazy to really yes, think absolutely. about that you know um you, then you take the bees for example in the US and um they, they these these poor creatures don't get um don't get their seasonal downtime you know yeah. they they they're brought down to florida in the um 
in the winter time and in the mm-hmm. summertime they're brought up to friggin North Dakota right so it and it's and it's it's like you guys take care of the strawberries up here and then when we're mm-hmm. de- done you go down and take care of the oranges well again you know this is just with with other animals they're not respected for what they are and they're used as a right. product so no. uh the last thing I wanted to like get into as I mentioned is um mm. I'm gonna bring up a couple articles we're not going to talk about them uh, mm-hmm. I think we, we we dove into that one which was fun enough uh, <laughs> but a couple more They're similar <laughs> yeah but there's a lot of this stuff that uh, you guys can look out for online which is mm. um lysine to arginine and viral um ratio so lysine is an antagonist for example for uh, for um against for viruses and so on and so forth so it shows here this is uh I got this study that's uh, just going to read a couple titles. Uh, L-lysine, its antagonism with L-arginine in controlling viral infection. Um, narrative literature review and so on and so forth. So the mm-hmm. abstract, it goes into that idea as well um, about how lysine can be used to change the way that viruses uh, can, can, can feed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this next one, uh, relation of L-arginine and lysine antagonists to herpes simplex growth in tissue culture. So this is another big thing too, is like I mentioned before, is that the herpetic viruses seem to really love arginine. I still struggle to find, and maybe maybe you can answer this a little bit, but um, obviously the arginine is being used uh, on a nucleus level, I believe, in order to, um, um, for the virus to, re- to reproduce. Mm-hmm. So would this be just for a cup of some viruses or for all viruses? And as you mentioned before, I mean, all viruses kind of operate the same way in mm-hmm. our body in that they require us to help them reproduce. Yeah, I can't tell you, actually. I would have need, you know, to... Yeah, I don't know enough about virology more, either. More deeper into uh-huh. it um, about the, the viruses. I, I mean, in general, I think there are all kind of have the same construction, which right. is, there's not so much to it. Right. <laughs> you know? But as you mentioned before, but, the reason why technically viruses aren't alive is because uh, they can't reproduce by themselves. Yes, they need a host. Right, exactly. Yeah. And the host needs like to... Like a prov- host cell. Yeah, and the host cell needs to provide um, the nutrients. And one of those forms of nutrients for yeah it to reproduce is arginine. Now mm-hmm. we know this to be a really popular, like mm-hmm. anything to do with influenza and with um, um, herpes and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. The the It's like, I like to see the way, you know, you have a kitchen and the virus comes in because it doesn't have a kitchen. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, he's throwing his things on the table. It's like, please make me a meal. Yeah. <laughs> and you do it because, you know, well, you, oh, you don't even really realize that he just sneaks it in <laughs> and mm-hmm. then you put it together and then he takes it and fucks off and, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and then goes to the next kitchen and uh, has more, now more of it. So that's, Maybe see it. <laughs> well, the, the the funny thing is that um, that uh, as, as I mentioned before is that um, it's not it's not an unknown thing. Like a lot of this research has been going on for a long time. That viruses we've been talking about this for years actually, even before mm. the the whole Corona cack was that um, we don't know where viruses come from. They don't have a, a, an origin story. You know, like like we don't even really have an origin story. That's the other funny <laughs> thing too: is humans don't have an origin story. I mean, yeah, for you guys out there with Adam and Eve, good luck with that. The 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 reason why I say that is because we like you can tell a child where a baby comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, and mom and daddy come together, and then there comes the stork and drops the baby at the window. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just to put it in there. I heard a I heard another um, another joke the other day. What is actually what is the stork? You know, if the baby stork asks, where does the baby come from? What does the, the the father stork say from the storks? What? No. What? <laughs> I, I missed what you're saying. I was reading a comment. Sorry. What? 
I just heard the other day the same, you know, like about the stork brings the babies. And then he said, as it was a comedian, he said, well, what would the baby stork actually, if he asked uh, yeah. Papa stork, you know, <laughs> who brings this, the, who brings the babies? And he's like, the stork. <laughs> the stork, exactly. The uncle. <laughs> right. Oh, we had a comment in, uh, in, in Podbean and uh, he mentioned that margarine was de uh, developed to fatten up chickens and turkeys, but they wouldn't eat it. Yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of, but you know, I wouldn't eat that either. <laughs> well, here's the thing is the French people, for example, uh, foie gras. Um, oh. Yeah the way that they make it they try to fatten up the hell out of these animals oh, and I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if that was one of the re original reasons for creating something like margarine in order to fatten up these livestock birds Probably, yeah. and then uh, people were like oh the birds won't eat it maybe we should try it you mm. know what's not good for them is good for us mm. um, so that's an interesting fact I like that one um, so the the, the next thing I kind of want to get into is let's talk about studies for a second here because while we were doing this I came across something that was very fascinating it's called the um uh, 100 monkey effect. Mm -hmm. And the 100 monkey effect is as such, is that uh, supposedly um, where you have monkey populations on different islands, so I guess it would be like Polynesia, like like Bali or, or whatnot. Indonesia. Indonesia, Polynesia, yeah. yeah. Um, where you have many little islands everywhere yeah. and you have monkey populations all over the place that are the same species that have been separated by, you know, rising water mm -hmm. levels over the years. Probably not by diesel cars uh, thousands of years ago, but uh, it still happened. Tectonics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, not even just that. I'm just saying we, yeah. we, we had major uh, sea level increase um, after the last ice age, which was 12,000 mm -hmm. years ago. I was just making a, a dry joke as, uh, as to like sea levels raised back then and there were no uh, hydrocarbons emitted by people uh, the way that we say that people emit them today. But still today, you can go down to Plymouth Rock where the settlers settled in the US and you'll see the sea level hasn't changed in 400 years, at least over there. Mm. So the, I'm just, it's, it's, it's a stupid thing I just kind of put out. But the point is, is that... Um, the what was I talking about now? I'm I'm going all over the place. <laughs> the, the, the monkeys the on monkeys, the waters, yes. right? The, the, so the sea level had right had had risen, and the monkeys were separated. And and uh, and the um and the, the the assumption is is that before the ice age, these monkeys were all together in one big, you know country one, mm -hmm. on, on a mainland and then as the sea level rose they all got separated by um, um, by different uh, islands so on mm -hmm. and um, the idea is is that if a hundred monkeys on one island discover something or, or are taught something once you teach them like you know use this tool to uh, achieve this goal once about a hundred monkeys achieve the understanding mm -hmm. of how this works the theory is that um the other islands of monkeys will start doing it too, mm -hmm. as if they're, uh, as if once connected, as if there's a mental connection there. And this this goes to that that egregore theory that uh, that um, I, I mentioned in the past, in many episodes in the past now, that the egregore is its entity of itself. Mm -hmm. As we as as anything comes together and forms a thought, um, that thought creates an entity that becomes real and mm -hmm. can be, you know, uh, we we call it maybe the akashic records that can be tapped into from other life sources. Mm -hmm. Just like how the the photograph was discovered I, I, on a couple different places uh, on the planet at the same time. You know, there are a lot of discoveries in history that happened at the same time. And uh, one good example that I heard from Benjamin Balderson recently was that if you take a sponge and um, you want to uh, create mold on that sponge mm -hmm. and you put it into an incubator, you'll see that mold will, cre will be created all over the sponge. It's not like it started in one corner and grew out. It, mm. it, it it, mm -hmm. it poofs everywhere. And uh, he said that in, in, in his theory of, of the way he likes to look at life, he says that he believes life is very similar. When the conditions are correct, it happens everywhere. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And, and so the yeah. I, and and so there's an idea of multiple genesis, but at the same time, it's a single genesis in the sense that when the when the conditions for life or a specific type of life is there, it just happens, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and yeah. and it's the same thing with the ideas. If the condition for specific ideas are there, it just happens. Yeah. And once it's happened enough, it's more likely to happen again, even if there was no um, um, connection between mm-hmm. the the original source of it happening yeah. to the, the sources thereafter. So that's yeah. the 100 monkey effect. Uh, it's a really cool idea, I find, because it also, it, it shows you that on an energetic level, when life gets together, and looks at, and this is, you've been talking about this with your shamanic stuff too, when life gets together and um, focuses its intention, mm-hmm. it manifests yep. it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and it manifests it for future generations and for neighboring generations, right? Such mm-hmm. as the 100 monkey effect. Um, one thing I, I looked into, we're not going to talk about this too much today because it's kind of shit. Uh, we, we found a couple... How can I best say this? We found a couple of studies that show the abuse of, or not even just abuse, but the stupidity as to how, for example, um, something like monkeys, because uh, I, I just typed it in the word, the, the 100 monkey effect, because I, I, it came up and I wanted to know more about it. And I started, and I, I wanted to see if there were any scientific papers on mm-hmm. the 100 monkey effect. And instead, I just got a whole bunch of papers on shit they did to monkeys. And, and, I, and I say this because- Bad. It just, but it's to me. I still see it in my mind. I still relate these things together. That the hundred monkey effect shows you that intention creates reality, right? As if like there's a consciousness before anything else happened. You know, like mm-hmm. that we influence the mm-hmm. the material world. Yeah. Right. And uh, this shows me that uh, just like how um, in business you have three main products, right? You have you're selling a product, you're selling a service. Or you're manipulating ideas, mm. <laughs> right? So you're you're changing minds, mm-hmm. and and that that that's politics, right? That that there's a whole bunch of stuff that's advertisement, right? They don't advertisement doesn't have a product or a service. Yeah, they they can call their their advertisement in, uh, um, company a service based company because they're servicing the customer by providing advertisement. But really, what their product is in the end is the manipulation of the impression of the people, mm-hmm. and it shows you that. People tend to naturally, and this is a natural thing I think in humans, when you see the world a certain way, when we objectively see the world, subjectively see the world a certain way, we tend to want to share it. We tend to get angry when people don't see it the same way as we mm-hmm. do, right? They, we, a lot of people tend to make it their life goal to spread the word of whatever the hell they have in their head, you know? Um, and the more real it becomes it, collectively, the more better they feel more better the the better they feel about perhaps themselves it, it's it's kind of a, it's something that's deep inside us right we want to communicate we want to converse we want to learn about our environment and um i think that really when we do that in large numbers we actually manifest our environment mm-hmm. which is why yeah, absolutely uh, this, which is why things like religion have been used by empires for so long in order to control the masses and in order to alter perception of reality in order to create reality right you look tired yeah i don't know i can feel it right now. you can feel it <laughs> probably because you know of, uh, oh we've been going on for an hour and a half i think we're going to squeeze out another half an hour intense yesterday <laughs> yeah what did you do yesterday before we get into the next topic what did you do yesterday well i you know i was just awake because our cat gave birth to uh, her kittens and five five kittens again right <laughs> so i was a little you know you you always kind of hear if there's more coming and uh, if she needs help. So 
I can feel like my tiredness kicking in right now. <laughs> yeah, I slept really well, <laughs> but um, she was definitely up every hour just checking up on them. Yeah, so, but yeah, they're good. So what did you learn about that? Happy little family. Well, you can trust nature. You know, it works. <laughs> and uh, explain, um, you know, I think one thing that uh, our cat Fiona did that's really cool. How does she take care of them? Well, you mean when she gave birth or? No. Well, yeah, actually, no, that's, I think a lot of people don't really even know that how, like how, how, how these instincts are just there. Yeah, it's And amazing. this kind of goes like, into that hundred monkey effect. It's like she's born and she knows. Yeah. So, uh, so when a kitten is born, mm-hmm. what comes out? Oh, um, well, the kitten and the afterbirth. Well, so. the, yeah, and the kitten is often. In, so think of it like this: the kitten is in a sack, mm-hmm. and then there's a string coming from the the the, the umbilical cord mm-hmm. that goes through the sack to the. Um, like with every mammal, right? Yeah, so. the, the, exactly. To the afterbirth, humans mm-hmm. have the same thing. Um, it's a bit bigger. <laughs> it's just that humans tend to not necessarily be born in the sack. Some are, some mm-hmm. are not, and so. When she, when the kitten is born, it's it's a bag with the cat inside it often, and a string with another bloody red uh, <laughs> pouch of stuff, right? And that's the it that's looks the as crazy as it sounds like. <laughs> now, what cats do is uh, oh, look at that. So we got kitten fans. Yeah, uh, kitties. <laughs> so what the cats do is they. Um, Am I clubbing through? I'm still coming through. Cats they eat the afterbirth. A lot mm-hmm. of mammals do. Mm-hmm. Um, I even human. There have there are there are, it, there, yeah. there are human cultures uh, that eat their own afterbirth, and uh, the reason why do why do cats eat their afterbirth, Maddie? Well, it's rich in nutrition, and I mean for them, it's 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 a very um, stressful like the giving birth takes a lot of energy for her, and yeah. so she she just uses what's there, and again, you know, there's mm-hmm. high nutrition in it. Um, it's it's I actually really don't know what it is but basically yeah the the cat was feeding of it right mm-hmm. and it was living from it so, so i've just, heard that it's very necessary for them to eat their afterbirth to produce good quality milk and yeah. uh, and have energy and to yeah, fight yeah. off infections in the future for like specifically the next couple of weeks yeah. when that cat is she, uh, she ate lower. them all this time <laughs> yeah and so uh, what's important is, is the way it works the cat eats the after so when the, when the kitten comes out um it it will um start either licking the bag that the cat is in to rip it open and then the cat slowly comes out and he's like oh look it's a big world out there <laughs> but it doesn't open its eyes yet right um no. kittens tend to take a couple of days sometimes a week to open their eyes yeah at sometimes least a week. more at uh, least these, a week the the cats that we have they open their eyes really really quickly last time like a couple of them were born with their eyes half open already mm-hmm. um and then they eat the afterbirth and as they eat the afterbirth they sever the umbilical cord because it's attached to the afterbirth that tends to be the way um, that uh, that that they do it. They do it naturally. They mm-hmm. just get it. They, they know how it is. Out. They relax. They sit themselves in the corner that they they feel safe in and secure, and they just do it. Um, they eat the uh, the placenta. <laughs> is that what you mean by afterbirth? Yeah, basically it is because each uh, each kitten has its own placenta. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and this is a big reason why cats can actually be impregnated by multiple father cats uh, at the same time because mm-hmm. they, when they have sex, they um, actually cats they they have a, a they're in heat, meaning that in that period that they're in heat, a cat can uh, they can have sex with multiple cats and have multiple different kittens inside well, them from different fathers. They have something cool; it's called induced ovulation, which means each time they having sex, um, the there is a freshly egg. You know, like the ovulation is. But that only happens when they're in heat. Is not well. Then when they're in heat, they start reproducing. When they reproduce, obviously they have sex. So the 
the penetration but if, but, of but the male cat, induces the ovulation. So, but if a cat penetrates her when she's not in heat, uh, nothing happens, right? Nothing happens, and I, I like the female is just not interested. She won't, she won't mate. So she won't induce the ovulation or what? Well, she, she would not, not you know. She won't let the cat on him. Yeah. Well, what, let's just. Well, anyway, that's a different story. <laughs> We're going too deep into that. Uh, right. Yeah, but. Um, the point being is uh, that they just, it's amazing to see how they know this. And then what happens is that if one of the kittens are too small um, and isn't getting uh, enough uh, share of the milk, mm-hmm. then she'll grab him and bring him to another room and feed him separately. Yeah. And when he's done, she'll bring him back to the group and plop him on there. Yeah, she does that last time and this time too. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, I want to get into a couple funny, like it sounds funny, but it's also kind of bleak. Um, and uh, this one, this study, Madeline read, and it uh, she she didn't know how to take it, how to handle it afterwards. Uh, suppression of cocaine self-administration in monkeys. Uh, there I said it. So mm. this is a real study. Uh, explain what they did, Maddie. Oh my God. <laughs> what was that one? So what they did with this one is, is they used um, histamine as a form of punishment. So it says here in the objective, mm-hmm. the study examines whether histamine injection could pun, uh, could punish cocaine self-administration in a drug-drug choice, whether delaying histamine would decrease its effectiveness and whether the effectiveness of the delay could be described within the delay of discounting framework. Look, what they really did, like I'm not going to read all of it. The, the study is so fucking stupid, but this is a real study. Um, they, they took a bunch of monkeys. They put mm-hmm. catheters on them. And then they got them hooked on cocaine. And when the monkey chose to take cocaine, uh, they had one group where they uh, the, ca- the catheter injected them with more cocaine and histamine immediately. And in the other group, they injected them with more cocaine and then a half an hour later, more histamine. Mm. And they wanted to know the effect of the histamine uh, um, on, the drug on, choice. On, on, on their choice of the drug. And it's it's it's, it's it, who comes it, like, up with that? Who comes up with yeah. that? Like really, you know? Mm. I don't care if if you get a cure for cancer from this. This is stupidity in in, in all of its roots. It is right? just cruelty in any way and disrespectful against these creatures. So I, I'm, we're now talking about look. This is just one study, and, mm-hmm. and there are lots of them. I don't even think I want to go through them all. The, there are so, I mean, all the ones that we looked yeah. at, but there are lots of them out there. Maybe you just point out what's, you know, what's the point? <laughs> the point <laughs> The point of, of, of sharing this with you guys is that there are so many studies that are just done. Like, explain the one as to uh, identifying stress. Uh, that's with the elephant and the, the placenta, right? They, they took elephant placenta and injected it into mice or some shit, right? Uh, ah, that what you were like from how how stress was was studied and how it started was like the um, the father of stress research uh, Hans Hugose, he he took yeah he took placenta from the cow like a solution or made a solution from the cow placenta and he put it into rats female rats and he wanted to see how the reaction he want he was actually looking for a hormone that has not been discovered yet. Yeah, and he was very impressed that the animal wasn't doing very well after injecting him with some bullshit. Yeah, now, and he kept going, you know. He saw that um, the lot of things happened. The intestines were bleeding and the thymus... Uh, yeah, the, thi- the thyroids. Thyroids and all that so swelled up and the... Um, what was the other one? Uh, adrenals. Adrenal glands. Reacted. 
And he saw that while he was not only injecting them with a placenta solution, but also, you know, putting them under a lot of stress through heat, for example, or mm-hmm. extensive um, exercise for the rats. So they had to run a lot. And they always showed the same um, signs. And he was like, why is that like, you know, what, what's happened to these rats? Obviously, he put them under so much pressure that their whole system tried to fight it off to yeah. survive. They were in survival well, mode. Well, what, what's funny to- about this is that the, the, what came out of it was that all mammals, when you uh, when you put them under enough pressure, they react the same way, mm-hmm. which is interesting because the idea of uh, of, of of our modern day drug uh, industry is is that for every symptom, there's a drug to solve it. But the problem was, and this is what was this is why this was significant at the time, because they were still at that time talking about is terrain theory the the uh, appropriate uh, uh, path. To go or not, or or are we going to talk about um, um, what's the other one they talk about? Uh, terrain versus uh, uh, like bacterial uh, germ? germ theory. That's it. Germ theory. Is it more terrain theory that we have to equalize the terrain, or do we do germ theory where we just go after each germ independently with a new drug every time mm. we find a new germ? Now, obviously, the terrain theory is uh, more holistic. Like if you talk about holistic natural medicine, that's more terrain theory stuff. Germ theory stuff is. This germ is a bad thing. Get this drug. Mm-hmm. Get rid of it. Mm-hmm. You had side effects. You take this drug. So on and so forth. Until all your symptoms are gone. Um, and the problem is that with Hans Ogozea, he ended up seeing that doesn't matter what type of stress he put on these animals. They all reacted with immediate thyroid issues and adrenal gland issues, mm. or producing more uh, adrenaline, bleeding uh, intestines, bleeding yeah. intestines, and so on and so forth. So he said he was really fascinated to see that. A myriad of different effects caused the same uh, symptoms, which goes to show you that we, as 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 life, like we we have our filtration system, and when our filtration system is fucking at its peak and can't mm-hmm. handle it, mm-hmm. other things start breaking down first. Typically, things that maybe not be may not be seen as important or extremely important. One of the reasons why the adrenal glands would probably, in my opinion. And and the, and the thyroid would start reacting, would be to, to regulate whether the body is going to start having a fever, whether, whether the body is going to start making itself more alkaline, whether the the uh, adrenaline is there to uh, make it so that you can flee if you have to. Mm-hmm. Like something just happened. You got poisoned. You got stung by a rattlesnake. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. this yeah. is this is kind of like perhaps maybe why the body does this. The point that we're getting at is that there are so many studies out there that y- you wouldn't believe the abuse on animals. Like and humans too. Like uh, the amount of, I have, I have a f- friends of mine who uh, they they pretty much they make a good living by uh, participating in in trial studies, mm. and some of them are just so morbid, right? Like um, some of it sounds really really uh, simple and and so on and so forth. But for for something in Europe specifically to to go past animal trial and then into human trial. I think that a lot of people don't really understand is how many rats and monkeys and mm. whatever the hell had to suffer at the cost of 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 what creating a drug for to suppress some symptom that uh, that really shouldn't be there in the in the first place. If if the people were doing something like taking a look at their lysine arginine levels or mm-hmm. not eating bullshit sugars, yeah, like I was yeah. mentioning at the beginning of the the lockdown, 
I thought to myself, if they lock everything down, the only stuff that's going to be available for people to eat will be shit white bread and Coca-Cola, right? Because <laughs> the only places that were allowed to stay open were like the, the Burger Kings and the McDonald's and the, and the, and the Kentucky Fried Chickens, mm-hmm. at least where we are. They, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the way they did it. They closed all the mom and pop shops, gave all the, the big corporate gangsters fucking a green pass, and they stayed open. So the only food access for a lot of people was shit food. Um, and nobody learned anything much about health afterwards. I think people just uh, started going crazy on all over the spectrum mm-hmm. as, to, as to what they believe health really is. And what we're trying to push here today is, is that we think that it's a lot more simple than a lot of people really care to admit. I think that the entire drug industry doesn't deserve, in my opinion, my attention and mm-hmm. for the following reason. If we talk about, as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, how blood ritual and sacrifice used to be a big part of our culture. We go back, you know, biblical history, pre-biblical history and so on. Like, you know, you see that in every culture. Blood sacrifice was 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 there, you know, in Northern mm-hmm. European culture, in African culture, in um, uh, Incan culture, uh, not Incan, um, what's Mayan? the other one? Mayan culture, all that stuff. Uh, it, it, that Jewish culture, Catholic culture, it's all there. You know, like it, just just as a simple example, you know, you go to church and what are you doing? You're you're doing the uh, drinking the blood of of uh, of Christ and uh, partaking and eating His body by taking the mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. the wafer. And these are symbolic. Uh, these are sim- a symbolic to the blood ritual, right? And then in the in the Jewish faith, which is still Catholic too, to a degree. Uh, um, you have the Passover, where it's the the lamb's blood above the door. So there, so blood ritual and sacrifice has been the foundation for a lot of religion in the past, and yeah, not yeah. just religion. This is kind of what I'm getting at now too. And though it may have gone, let's say, underground, it exists in different forms, and it still exists in 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 many forms. Um, if we're sacrificing animals to the gods in the past. Right, we've had a good harvest, and we feel that we 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 it's been plentiful. So we sacrifice some of our harvest to the spirit of nature or whatever uh, in order to show appreciation. That might be leaving out some of our grains or some of our mm-hmm. uh, our yields, or even slaughtering a couple of our chickens to say, you know what, we're very happy. Thank you. This is for you. Mm-hmm. And in in some of the northern mm-hmm. European traditions, we would um, actually we would eat the animals and then burn the remains uh, and 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 the the um, the gods can eat them because of the ethereal uh, yeah, yeah. release right the 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 really weird um thing now is to really think about well what happens with all the sacrificed animals that are being used for drug testing mm-hmm. who is the god that they are being sacrificed to mm-hmm. and i say this because humans don't have uh the ability i think to sacrifice something without having that in their mind that it's for a greater cause it's for a greater good i think that it's it's just kind of something hardwired inside of us that we that like yeah some people they go out and they kill for fun and so on and so forth there's that but i think as a culture we don't tend to do things like that without reason mm-hmm. and my reason that i often see with a lot of the doctors that i meet who do things like this like uh, inject rats all day long and, mm-hmm. uh, and and so on and so forth they believe they're doing it for a greater good mm-hmm. And so, therefore, yeah, to the find a um, you know yeah, if you cure yeah, a new a new drug, a new. But the thing is, is that when you really think about it, really think about it, uh, the drug companies are the ones that are suppressing often um, the simple mm-hmm. 
solutions. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I've 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 spoken to nutritionists and and homeopaths who work in a in, in a building where in that building you also have real you know uh, family doctors and so on and so forth and in the base in, in the first floor in order to make the building look more green eco-friendly they have a, a nutrition shop mm-hmm. and i've heard this story a few times from people i personally know where the doctors refer their patients to the nutritionist downstairs or the the, the holistic nutritionist and say oh they have this really great thing called i don't know oil of oregano or yeah, whatnot yeah. go and try that yeah. first what happens mm-hmm. is is that the um, the doctors get strikes, and I've heard this from a bunch of doctors where mm-hmm. um, they were confronted, for example, because the insurances state from the literature that they receive from the drug company that this is the best procedure and the best way to go about doing a certain thing. And if the doctor doesn't follow the procedures recommended by the drug companies, the insurances get in the way and say, we're not backing you by this. And they tell the hospital and then the hospital or the clinic go to the doctor and says, you're not practicing doc- uh, being a doctor the way that we are comfortable with. That's first strike, three strikes and you're out, baseball rules, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. uh, this happened, for example, to, um, what's his name? Uh, oh, I got his name written down over here. Sean Baker. He's he's known as the father of uh, of, of um, um, the carnivore diet, funny enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's just one of the people that I know. He lost his license. And uh, uh, so he's, he, he you he's know, he doctor, went to med school. He was a doctor. Yeah. He was a pediatrician, I believe it was. And um, he lost his license because he wouldn't. He he constantly was telling his patients about natural remedies and paths and 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 uh, diets and mm-hmm. stuff they can do. Uh, at that time, he wasn't into carnivore at all. He actually got, got into the carnivore thing later on uh, because he fe- he felt that that was just such a simple for him silver bullet solution mm-hmm. that most of the ailments in his life and the people that he knew and the patients that he had um, went away. Because of uh, because because of increasing good meat and decreasing a lot of the uh, the toxins that are introduced by you know for example pesticides and herbicides mm-hmm. and so on and so forth that we get through a lot of the vegetables we eat. Um, but this this to me this idea of this is is this a blood ritual? I say it is. I say that if we are ritually sacrificing animals and breeding them to be ritually sacrificed. Mm-hmm. That's another big yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. because this is something that the Sumerians did as well, right? They would uh, uh, back uh, back in the day. They uh, was it the Sumerians? Um, I have to take a look at that, but I, I could be mistaken. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it was the Sumerians that um, they would have um, they would breed a certain type of people to be sacrificed because they were into blood sacrifices just as Mm -hmm. many religions Mm -hmm. or or many cultures were at the time. And so what would happen is is that uh, they would have girls impregnated on an altar and um, that girl would be allowed to carry that baby to term. And as soon as she gives... Uh, that birth to that baby, that girl would then be blood would be bludgeonated and sacrificed on the altar of the next year, and that baby would be allowed to grow up to become uh, a woman mm. in order to be also impregnated at the altar and killed one year later, and that child of that woman would then go on to become the next sacrifice. And so there are a lot of weird cultures that have done things like this in the past where they have an entire bloodline of people that are specifically designed for human sacrifice, mm-hmm. right? Um, and 
this kind of shows me the same thing is that we have a specific type of rat. What's that? There's a specific mouse that's, I think it's called like a, a lab mouse or something like that. It's yeah, it's just a normal house mouse, I think, right? Well, there's yeah. a specific one that I know that was, del uh, that they breed and they. Oh, yeah, they have different strength, um, um, genetic. Um, Strengths. Yeah, strengths. sure. Yeah, and and the uh, so called out so knockout mouse where they um, knock out specific genes. For example, some yeah. of the mice are bred specifically to be tested upon yeah. in a certain way, and so their entire life is is predetermined to be uh, a project, right? Yeah, and. Monkeys, I don't, I don't know if they're doing the same thing with monkeys. I presume mm -hmm. they are. Whether it, whether it be them studying on rabbits or goats or pigs or whatever the case may be, yeah. <clears throat> you have to ask yourself if most of these diseases that we are um, that we are experiencing can easier be treated by, for example, um, lifestyle changes that are that are just healthy. And um, more accommodating towards happiness, mm -hmm. um, and nutritional changes that are more accommodating towards not feeding viruses. And then we get into that next question. A lot of viruses today are man-made, mm -hmm. flat out, right? Um, and, and it it kind of goes into that big picture where I'm now seeing okay, a lot of viruses are man-made. A lot of animals are bred to be slaughtered. A lot of animals are, are bred to be tested upon. And slaughtered in that in that same process, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, that be the blood ritual. So when you go out, and when I go out, if I were to go out and start to buy these drugs, am I participating in this ritual? I say that I am, mm -hmm. and I say this because a lot of uh, when we talk about mysticism, right, and we talk about um, rituals, rituals are empowered the same way that the the the, hun the hundred monkey effect. Mm -hmm. Uh, exists right. Yeah, yeah. The fact that when enough into, uh, intention created. is is created, that um, it becomes a real thing and it becomes more powerful for that reason, right? And and I see that exact same thing that if enough people believe that the reality of the world is to treat symptoms with drugs by testing upon animals that we create to be killed for these drugs, then um, what does that say about our our participation in this ritual? Mm -hmm. Right, this ritual only exists because we've acknowledged it and allowed it to, yeah, yeah, and it absolutely. requires our, um, our, our not only our permission, but our our free will to decide to participate mm -hmm. in it, and that's and that's a big part about like if you want to go out and become a mason, the first thing you got to do is walk in there and do the first couple rituals, which uh, include you saying, "I come here of my own free will." Mm. take me in mm. you know this kind of thing and 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 the, the free will aspect is so important in in magic in the sense that magic will always be in height in heightened when the participant free willingly acknowledges your magic is real mm -hmm. right whether it be street magic or other I, I i say the difference is that street magic is a trick and a lot of people know it's a trick yeah uh other is i'm not really trying to trick you I'm trying to give you a, a new perspective on life. Mm -hmm. Do you want it? And I'm not even asking you. I'm building this empire based on an entire new perspective of life, but I'm only letting people in the door who come in and say, I give myself over to you, right? Mm -hmm. And this is the same thing that happens in Christianity. You give yourself to Christ. You mm -hmm. give yourself over to Jesus. Mm -hmm. you know, all of these different ways of looking at it, it's, it, this is a form of sacrifice, right? And this is my, my whole point with, with Big Pharma, Big Pharma, Big Pharma operates in the same way. Um, it requires your sacrifice and submission into acknowledging that it's real. Mm 
in order to propagate the sacrifice and the blood ritual that's going on everywhere. And that blood ritual could be your death when you take a pill that kills you. That blood ritual hmm. can be the death of yeah. the people around you who get affected negatively by the medication that you are on or the treatment that you yeah. are under undergoing. So you start to see that it's a much bigger bubble and, and a much large with no containment field, you know, that, that can grow exponentially. Mm -hmm. And we choose with our own participation how real this becomes. And the more real it becomes, it, it, it becomes an egregor. It becomes an entity within its own right. Yeah, it's true. There we go. So we have a comment here. That was a that was a mouthful that I had said. <laughs> I, I told you guys it was going to be a bit bleak. We tried mm -hmm. to warm it up a little bit with all this other stuff first, but this is how I kind of tied it in, mm. you know. And so to me, nutrition is a really interesting thing because uh, it also requires appreciation, and I think that that's the hidden ingredient in all good food. In this, life in general. <laughs> in, in life in general. And, and and appreciation of food is the same as appreciating your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. If you don't appreciate what you're doing every day, you're not going to live very well. Yeah, End of true. story. Your body will react negatively, thus accordingly. Yeah. And um, right. I, I think of this too. You know, I have friends of mine who want to quit smoking. And every time they smoke, they think to themselves, oh, I, I can't believe I'm smoking again. Okay, just this last mm -hmm. one. And they have all these negative thoughts in their mind. Mm -hmm. And I say, I want you to turn that around. I want you to look at that cigarette and say, I love this cigarette. I really, really do. Mm -hmm. I'm going to smoke this cigarette and it's going to be the best cigarette I've ever smoked. <laughs> and I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. Because if you don't do that, the the the, the cascading it's effects are so worse. much more potent yeah. afterwards. Between cigarettes, you yeah. can choose to yourself and say, you know what? I'm done. I don't want it anymore. But putting that thought in your mind while you're smoking that you hate what you're doing mm. is so much more destructive because it creates this new energy. You're taking in the hate. Right? right? Funny enough, I just uh, heard another uh, video about this. You know, if you want to stop smoking, it is, as you said, it's it's you don't try to stop smoking. Just each time you think you want to have a smoke, you, you have that cigarette in your hand and you ask yourself, you know, being present in the moment, do you really want this thing right now? If you want it, then just, you know, have take it. it, have it and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And each time you do it, because you sometimes you just do it out of habit. For example, you know, also with me not going all in, sometimes I did something out of habit in the morning, you know, I had habitually like a coffee or something. And then yeah. I started asking myself, do you really want this, this coffee? And sometimes I, I said, yes, I want it. And I had it and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And sometimes I felt like, no, I don't want it right now. And, and you if, you, it, yeah. if, you, if you live your life like that, then there's nothing you have to, you know, let go of or you have to um, stop doing. You just in each moment decide what is good for you. And yeah. this is it. Like I'll no, tell no you guys, no less. I showed you that, that, uh, that arginine lysine list. And one of the biggest shames on that list is how bad wheat performs on it. So, mm. you know, and, 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 and I know that when I have some of my favorite foods, like a nice beer. <laughs> this is food. <laughs> that, oh, yeah. In Germany, beer is food. Yeah, In Ireland, beer is food. I promise you this. <laughs> uh, and so when I go to have a really nice, full, rich wheat beer, I know the arginine level is shit. But this is this is interesting now because in Germany you have mm -hmm. what's called Bier um vier, mm -hmm. which is beer at four because it's like a Bavarian <laughs> tradition where you drink beer at four o'clock. You uh -huh. know, work is finished, Bier um vier. But beer is accommodated with sauerkraut and sausages and mm -hmm. schnitzel. These types of foods, these are the high lysine mm -hmm. sources. Yeah, and so I, when I when I when I have that beer that I you know I really enjoy, I always try to marry it now mm -hmm. and say, you know what? 
time for the time for the the the, the sausages to come out, right? Mm-hmm. That's why the sausages go with the beer. I find. I think that's that's that that's that holistic mm, marriage. Interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I find and because now all of a sudden I'm taking something that is perceived as bad. And I'm <clears> enjoying <throat> it and I'm marrying it with something else, mm-hmm. right? Just imagine the beer and the sausage getting married. Which one's wearing the whale? <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> here, I got a comment coming in. Let's I read this one. I think we have to stop you. <laughs> nope. Uh, I wonder if you're referring to the same kind of mice that are bred just for food too. Yeah, uh, the ones for snakes, for example. Uh, there there for are specific snakes. mice. Snakes. For snakes. Schlangen. Ah, those ones. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, those ones don't live long. I learned the hard way. My ex wanted to feed us... His uh, tarantula, but I saved the mouse and it died a couple of weeks later because it was time was up. <laughs> well, just <laughs> she I mean, was tr- trying to save the, f- the mouse that was bred for feed. <laughs> Doesn't sound like really good quality food for the tarantula if, if, if he's like destined to die. Like I wouldn't want to eat meat that's like from an animal that's about to die from a disease or whatever issue it has. Mm. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah, I don't actually know about mice so much. Well... I don't think that, you know, as, as I, I know from the laboratory rats, they're really specifically bred for mm-hmm. different purposes. They knock out some genes. And I think the ones that you buy, you know, for for feeding your snake or something They've like that. They've been so that. inbred that it's just Well, that's, that's the other yeah. point. Like these rats are just so inbred. And that was also discussion from, you know, when I wrote my book about stress. There's so much that we, we think we know about stress, but it comes from these experiments with, with animals that are inbred in the laboratory, such yeah. as rats, um, mice, and yeah, whatever. Completely unknown genetic dispositions, Even, yeah. Yeah, and so the way they react to stress factors is nothing like uh, the, the animals that would react in the wildlife yeah. because they don't have, you know, this, these natural yeah. stress factors and, and all that. Anyways, just... The worst part is, do you know how they tell if an animal is happy? They capture it. <laughs> and then they, they 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 take its blood and then they test to see if the uh, in, if the what is it the cortisone level or the adrenaline what, what do you guys test? What do you mean for the ha- the relaxation oh. to find out how stressed oh, the they stress are? Stress hormones. Yeah, uh, it's the cortisol level. Yeah. So what they do is they capture the animal and they try to capture the animals all the same way mm. so that uh, they can then measure the cortisol level equally amongst them all. And 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 the yeah. ones that have the most stress, they're like, oh, these guys aren't as happy. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Anyways, that? Just maybe just that? leave it at that point. You know, just, just just think about that. You're 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 just hanging around, and all of a sudden comes the authority, and they just like pin you down and take your blood to find out if you're happy. Mm. I could have asked you. <laughs> That's the other thing too. Let's talk about that because this is something that you started getting into more in the sense that you don't want to, um, as a biologist, mm-hmm. observe animals any more intrusively. Instead, you well, learned a new technique to find out if an animal is okay or not. Just to make clear, if you work as a behavior biologist, there is no way to observe an animal intrusively because if you observe it intrusively, then you're not observing the natural behavior anymore. <laughs> so it's more about yeah, using intrusive techniques to find out more about the ecology, such as radio tracking. For example, or, you know. And, and for those of you guys out there, radio tracking means you have to capture them and put yeah, a, a, put a, a collar, collar on them or something. A GPS collar or something around their neck. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not into it anymore. I used to do it a lot in my research with the rabbits, also with wildcats. And because back then, you know, I didn't know better. I thought this is actually a cool way to study them. But. You know, to weigh out like the stress that you put these animals through to the results that you get. I know, I mean, we know that animals do better in their natural environment, you know, mm-hmm. just to have a number how far they walk and then to find like a maybe a pathway that we can combine 
um, usually what they do is to to find out the corridors where you put two big forest areas together mm-hmm. so that maybe like a you know like a wildcat can go from one big forest to the other one that's why they do the sometimes the the radio tracking but i mean all these questions are already answered as i as i've seen it you know there's so much out there already in data we don't need more we don't need to torture animals anymore and i mean you know it's not and the opinion doesn't doesn't bring me a lot further. Well, the, the, the scary research. thing is what, what's going to be done with that data? Is it going to be used for people to manage this animal? Why do people think they always need to manage these things? That's the other part about yeah. it. Like, um, So you mentioned uh, to me in, in previous episodes as well, I believe, that you have a new technique for finding out if an animal is doing okay. Explain that to us. You mean the shamanic approach? or Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I started the learning more about shamanic techniques. One is that you can really on a, we said on a spiritual level, talk to the spirit of an animal, to the spirit of the plant. And just as you would, you know, just as we're talking here right now, mm-hmm. you can talk to an animal and plant and you can ask, how are you doing? <laughs> and it's something that I, you know. You're talking to the spirit. The spirit, yeah. This is, I think, you connect something. To the, it's, it's like an energy connection and you can just really. Right. You, you, sometimes you get words, sometimes you get a color or senses and emotion and you can really An con- connect yeah. uh, on that very deep level. And, you know, for many out there who never thought of, like who never heard about a shamanic approach or anything like that, they might think, you know, this is crazy. That doesn't work. And I was like that before, you know, I was very logical from my academic study. Mm-hmm. I never thought that this is possible once I started experiencing this myself. And now it is really a practice. The more mm-hmm. you practice, the better you become. And now it is so easy for me to connect with mm-hmm. my cats, with the forest around me. And it's it enriches my life in, a, in an enormous way that I would mm-hmm. never thought it's possible. And as you say, you can just ask, what right. do you need? You know. So it's gotten to a point where Madeline now can um, really talk to the spirit of the animal specifically let's say our cats for example when they're not home yeah. ask them how they are when are they coming home when's it happening and it happens constantly they'll be gone for an entire day and then she'll walk to the door and said oh they said they'll be home soon they're on their way back mm-hmm. now um, and then she opens the door and then a couple minutes later the animal runs in and is hungry um and it also works really well to to ask because the question do you need to interfere with something yeah because i find that a lot of people interference is trial and error I do this, oh, he doesn't like it. I do this, okay, he likes it. I mm-hmm. know he likes that, right? Mm-hmm. And this is, I think, where people develop a lot of rituals in their life because mm-hmm. we are creatures of habit. Yeah, We tend to do things by trial and error when we know that something worked well. We just constantly do it that way. We don't tend to deviate from it until there's a reason to do mm-hmm. so, yes. right? Um, but doing this approach, it's, it's not necessarily the case anymore because you're constantly be able to actually communicate with yeah. anything, Yep. The spirit of anything Absolutely. on a on a very deep level, and um, the more you get answers that you see now it, through trial and error yep. are real or not, yep. you develop a, a um, um, an intuition. You develop a, an actual yep. muscle that you can that you can you know psychically uh, use in you order really- to. Uh, answer the questions that you were asking. Yeah, you really just tune in in the moment, you know, what is it that I have to do right now? And with that ability, and it is something everyone can do, it's just, as you said, it's just mm-hmm. something that you have to relearn and repractice. Yeah. And once you are, once you become aware that you have this ability as a spirit, 
then your life just gets, get, becomes so much easier because each moment you can ask what is the right thing to do right now. Whether it's something small in your life that you want to make a decision or you know, if you have animals and you think what is the best decision for my animal. Mm-hmm. Or within a partner, even within a relationship, you know, one person has an opinion about this, might be completely opposite to the opinion that I have. And then you can ask, okay, so what is the best solution for both of us? Right. What is that that one solution that makes us both happy? And it's not about making a compromise because the compromise makes us both unhappy because we, yeah. no one gets what it wants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what can we do in order to create a situation where we both get what we want? And then you come up with a, with a creative solution that you both grow in that relationship, mm-hmm. which I really like. Oh, very nice. Yeah. There we go. So um, I, had I guess a, so. I had a, <laughs> so we had, a, uh, had someone called Big Lord on uh, Podbean mention that uh, in their state, meat is prohibited. I wonder uh, what uh, mm. he or she, I didn't see the, uh, I don't know if it's a, it looks like probably a dude. I can't tell. Uh, but um, I wonder if they mean by um, whether it's prohibited because uh, you can't like that you can't have livestock or animals in that state or if they don't sell meat in that state which i find highly unlikely mm, i think it's more like probably more like the the fact that they've they've banned i've heard that actually they did that in um was that in australia no it was i believe in nevada where mm. they said um, zero uh, cows by a certain year. And they put forth this huge thing to get rid of all the farmers and all mm. the farmers who had cattle. And we're talking people who've been cowboying there. Cowboying. <laughs> That's what it's called. That's word. Who've been, yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> who've been cowboying <laughs> there for hundreds of years. I mean, yeah. since the first settlers. And the, fa- the property has been in their family for a long time. They live mm. with the land. Like mm. these, are, these, are, these are rancher people, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and all of a sudden, the government steps in and says, we don't want your animals anymore because they're polluting. Mm-hmm. Get rid of them. Mm. It got so bad. There were a couple farms that stood up and said, you're not coming on my property. Uh, and they got out their guns. And they said, you come here, we shoot you, which mm. was is one of the great things about the U.S. The military flew over the, the farm and unloaded machine guns into their cattle and slaughtered them all. And then uh, it was a standoff with the farm, um, which led in, uh, you know, uh, shots being fired and uh, I'm not even sure if loss of life and so on and so forth ensued. But um, these types of things have been happening for a long time where that person's definitely correct that I've heard stories that uh, states are making this incentive to saying um, livestock no more. Yeah, and and we're talking like these buying meat in in places like that. We're talking about a, a family owned uh, enterprise where they have free range cattle that 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 mm-hmm. they can graze freely mm-hmm. over kilometers and kilometers, mm-hmm. or miles and miles mm-hmm. of land. Like these these are animals that are being raised in some of the best conditions, right? Yeah. And they're the ones that are being told they can't have it. So it, it really goes to show you, like, what what do they want instead? They want monocultures everywhere. Uh, we, we found out over the last couple of years that you know people that there's there's a correlation between big tech and big vegetable, <laughs> mm. so sp- specifically corn and, mm-hmm. and soy and mm-hmm. peas. You know um, that the, the, uh, there's been this huge increase. Like uh, Bill Gates has been going out and and uh, buying up all the land to create biodiesel. Right, uh, you you have billionaires creating pea farms all over the planet. You have um, soy, which is so one of the most genetically modified foods on the planet, which is now being shown to us as a as as an alternative to meat because of the protein source. But at mm-hmm. the same time, as I mentioned before, 
I think there's a soul to a to to everything, such as the the the, the food that you eat as well. Yeah. And sure. and what kind of a soul does it? What does does a vegetable have if it was made in a laboratory as a chimera? Good question. Right. Yeah. And these are things that I ask myself because in in that sense, I I, I don't like the way that the the big f- um, farms practice uh, uh, agriculture. To me, there's uh, I've been reading a lot about the permaculture stuff, and I and this is more what I'm interested in mm. now lately is that um, yeah. that you can build ecosystems, you can build life for both vegetation, insects, and fungi, and cows, and chicken, and meat, and yeah. animals, and all that stuff, right? We as humans have this amazing ability to instill life into everything we t- we want to touch if we choose to. And it's a very shameful thing to see to, uh, to see these horrible industries such as big meat and big pharma and big vegetable, and think that this we have to choose this. Yeah, that yeah. you have to choose one or the other. Yeah. It's 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 absolutely. I don't want any of them. Yeah, right. True. That's the way I look at it. I, I don't play the game, right? Uh, and 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 I, I I in my personal life I try to as much as I can with the resources available to me. Um, and uh, with every step that we take, with every day as it goes by, we we try to refine that more and more for ourselves, and we we try to feel it along the way. Mm. It's not easy anymore. We live in an environment now where uh, big agriculture and big uh, big farmer are, are just so prolific that you can't really make decisions easily without them stepping on your feet. Yeah. Um, I can't build staircase in my in my house over here. So we tried to put a staircase in our house, mm. and um, I was told I can't do it. Because for that, you have to have a building permit. Um, and in order to get that building permit, any building permit in Germany, if you want to do something that would be like, uh, like you can you can gut your house and do a bunch of stuff to it. But if you have like what we have here, we have two apartments and we want to combine them into one, that, that becomes uh, uh, something that you need a building permit for because something is actually structurally changing in the building. Um, if you're just removing the radiators and putting in in-floor heating and stuff, mm-hmm. th- that, that you don't need a building permit for that. That's just what you like to do inside your walls. But as soon as you start combining or, or changing structural things, you need a building permit. And in Germany, the law is, in order to receive a building permit, you have to upgrade all of the energy values in the house to uh, accommodate today's energy values. And today's energy values are all based on CO2 bullshit. It's all based on the fact that uh, humans are evil and uh, the way that we're going to stop the spread of CO2 Mm -hmm. is that uh, everybody has to modernize their house. So that means that I have to put down about a quarter million euros to fix up my roof, my walls, my windows, the facade, the, uh, um, the, the doors. Before I'm allowed to do my, my staircase. Yeah. And I have to put a new water pump and a heating pump and all that crap into there. And it's one of these things where you ask yourself, who's benefiting from this? Because it's not, not the, <laughs> it's not the low middle <laughs> class that just wants a garden in their backyard. I promise you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? It, it'll be the big company that comes in later and says, oh, I have a quarter million dollars. Mm. Yeah, I can do that. Mm. And, uh, and and I own a couple uh, crops over there. We, we do corn. Yeah. I'll do that. And and this is what I'm starting to see more and more is that the destruction of the middle class goes hand in hand with this sacrifice and this blood ritual. Yeah, but so. that would be another topic. It's an expansion of the same topic. <laughs> All right, I can see that Maddie's eyes are shutting and she, yeah. and, and she wants to go play with the new kittens. No, I'm actually really hungry right now. <laughs> yeah, All right, me too, actually. But uh, yeah, you know, I actually... I'm going to have a beer and a sausage. I actually want to have a look at the kittens here, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. This has been another episode of Smart Home Stupid People. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. It has been a bit on the dark doom and gloom side, but at the same time, I, I really wanted to put this forward in order to maybe help empower you guys to realize 
you don't have to eat from the menu of life. Mm. You can make your own. Yeah, right? that's and, true. And that, that, if there's anything that you could take away from this episode, it would be that. Make your own menu, you know? Um, and ask your body what, what it wants. <laughs> yeah, have fun with your experience yeah. and your existence. Ask yourself at every moment, yeah. Um, what 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 is death and is it coming? Don't let yourself guilt into something just because you like you know eat certain foods and yeah all all this like stuff you know there's there's so much more to life than uh, than than um, self pity over food <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah right yeah. exactly so all uh, right. wish you all good health yes. and uh, if you have any comments or anything like that please write them in down below it's been a longer episode so i hope that you guys enjoyed it and we will see you next week with a new fresh episode yep a new idea if you want to actually i'll do this whole thing now here was that new button i got that button here it is yeah, all right we are live on rockfin telegram twitch DLive, and in audio form on podbean if you guys want to contact us or talk to us between episodes join our telegram channel smart home stupid people we need to hook up that blue telephone yeah we gotta get the blue telephone going <laughs> that, that actually has to light up and ring when it's people like call into batman the show call. What's that? You, yeah exactly the bat phone <laughs> the bat if phone. you guys want to call in the smartphone would that be hmm. Smart home, stupid phone. <laughs> so uh, if, if you guys want to call in during uh, the live episode in the future, all you got to do is join our Telegram uh, group and say, and and and, and associate to the group is the Telegram chat called Smart Home Stupid Chat. And just write us a message. Tell us what you think we should talk about next time. If you mm -hmm. want to come on, if you want to be a guest on here, let us know. We'll bring you on. If you, and, and I mean, if you want to be a guest for like 10 minutes or 15 minutes, just let us know in Telegram. We'll bring you on. If you have mm -hmm. an idea that you want to share with us, yep. we can do all that stuff too. So, very Perfect. flexible. <laughs> just like reality. Yeah. All right, guys. All right. Have, have yourselves a, a one. What's that? Have a good Sunday. <laughs> Have a good Sunday, as she says. And we'll see you next Sunday. Until then.